This is the most important one I could give you, teaching I could give you, really is. And um, so I'm very excited to, to, to bring it to you today, but let me just say a word of prayer. Holy Spirit, oh, oh, you are in this place. You are in this place. You are in us. And with everything I am, I honor you. You have changed me. You have saved my family. Lord, you are power, truth, life. Holy Spirit, I cannot do you justice with words. And I love you so much. Such an honor to speak of you. So I pray now, Spirit of God, that you will use my words to relay the truth of who you are. I pray the sword of the Spirit would pierce soul and spirit and give eyes to see and ears to hear so that your people will be empowered. I love your people, and I love you. And I do this for the love of you and the love of your people, and I want your people to have this power. So be glorified today. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. amen. So funny, I'm not a crier. <laughs> Apparently today I am. Um, I'm going to start this. Um, this is such an emotional topic for me, and some of you have heard bits and pieces of my story, but I can't talk about the Holy Spirit without telling the story. And I have a lot of stories to tell today because it is, we are still writing. The, the, the word of God is still being written in heaven. Our stories are still being written in heaven. And this is a story of the glory of God. Um, and so I'm going to make it as quick as I can, but I was raised by two beautiful parents, as you know, two godly parents. And I believed in Jesus for as long as I can remember. I was very young. Um, I honored his word, not perfectly, but I believed in it and I wanted to follow it. And, you know, I didn't have a salvation experience where I remember some drastic change because I kind of had always walked in that because of my parents um, raising me. And was in church all the time and you know when I went to college I'd get up and go to church by myself and in the sorority I led a bunch of people to Christ I, you know I was had a relationship with God married my husband followed the rules and got into my marriage with my husband and um, many of you know I got into this marriage thinking okay I've done all the right things and all the right things will happen for me but all the right things did not happen. I was very heartbroken in my marriage. And, you know, what I know now, what I didn't know then, is my husband was an incredibly broken person with a very broken family that I did not know before I got married. But we dated for a year and a half. But, you know, some, some things you just don't find out until after you got married. I bet a lot of you guys have found that out, right? A lot of things you just don't know until after you say I do. So got into this marriage and was pretty much heartbroken starting on the honeymoon on. 
I mean, literally, I cried my way through the entire honeymoon. And um, somewhere around, I don't know, 10 years in, I was just like, God, you have failed me. You failed me, God. I did the stuff you told me to do. I checked the checklist. And you did not keep your end of the bargain. And my heart is broken. And it's broken beyond what I can repair. I'm just heartbroken. I kept trying to rally. I would pray and read my Bible an hour every day. I was very faithful. And then I got into this thing, and I was just like, and I got to this point where I was like, I've been faithful. You haven't how I felt. And at this same time, we lived in Philadelphia, and at this same time, my husband is getting a job in Oklahoma, which is the last place in the world I wanted to live. And, and everybody around me, my church group, everybody's like, you need to divorce this man. You need to divorce him. This marriage can never be good. And you're young, and Philadelphia is very pro the woman, and you're young, cut your losses. Um, you know, Reagan was two, and they're just like, just start over. And I couldn't do it because I had always made my decisions with God, and I didn't even think I believed in him anymore, and I didn't want to make a decision this big in the place I was with God. So I was like, I can't make a decision to leave my husband when I'm so confused with God, and I just moved to Oklahoma with him. And it was crazy. He was running a company in China, so he was commuting to China. He was there all the time, eight months out of the year. I owned a company back in Philadelphia. I was commuting back to Philadelphia. We lived in Oklahoma. It was a, you know, it's crazy. And I remember flying into Oklahoma thinking, just flying over the state, being like, this, just, this state is just ugly. Like, I just don't want to, and just sobbing as I'm flying in. And I remember saying, God, you know, I don't want to believe you, but I don't know how to believe in you anymore. I don't know how to believe in you anymore. Every Christian I know is discouraged, exhausted, disappointed, trying so hard. And your word says, my yoke is easy, my burden's light. I'm like, your burden is not light. Your burden's heavy. And you don't keep your promises. And you know I don't want to believe this way, but I got to believe truth. I can't pretend who you are. I have to believe who you really are. And the, if you guys remember the book, Eat, Pray, Love, that it was just the time. I'm a big reader, and that had just come out, New York Times bestseller, and I read the woman's story. It's a true story. And she you know, goes through this divorce about my same age, goes on this journey, goes to Italy, goes to an ashram, finds peace, and ends up marrying this other man that she's going to be married to the rest of her life, which, by the way, I just Googled her. Oh, you want to talk about a train wreck? That woman's life is, wow, I won't even go into that. But anyway, but at the time, it sounded like, you know, and I was like, well, maybe I just have the wrong God. Maybe I just have the wrong faith. Maybe I just have the wrong... And so I... I, one thing came to my heart, and that is when I was in Brooklyn. There's a church called Brooklyn Tabernacle. And I felt something in Brooklyn Tabernacle that was different than anywhere I'd ever felt. And the pastor had written a bunch of books. So I said to the Lord, I'm going to order one book. 
one book, because I felt something different there, one book. And I'm going to read it, and after that, if you don't, so I read the book, and in the middle of the book, I felt myself getting excited, because he's talking about these impossible miracles, one after the other after the other. I mean, people, marriages being restored, bodies being healed, addicts just being set free, you know, all this stuff. And this church, by the way, Brooklyn Tabernacle, probably has a membership of about 20,000. It's huge. And I got so excited. And I'm sitting in my, in, in Oklahoma, our house was much bigger than this house. So I had a big house, completely empty, right? My husband's always in China. I'm sitting there constantly alone. I have these big high back chairs and I am reading this book and I'm feeling myself feeling hope and excitement and I got furious. I took the book, I threw it across the room. I'm by myself and I'm screaming at the top of my lungs. I'm like, where is this God for me and everybody else I know who follows the rules, who does the right thing? I've never seen a miracle I've never seen, where is all this, these stories? And of course, we read them in the Bible. Where are they now? And I said to God, if this is true, you have one week to show me. And at the end of that one week, if you don't show me, I will never cross a church threshold again. I will brunch every Sunday with my friends and I will leave my husband. I have one week. You've got one week. I'm done. I'm reading these stories. Where do they, how do they exist? That was a Monday. Wednesday morning, I wake up sick as a dog. My daughter wakes up sick as a dog. By now, she's three. She normally went to school. She was too sick to go to school. I'm laying in bed. She's in her crib. We're both just laying in bed. We can't function. And I know now it's the Holy Spirit saying, go to church go to church. I'm like, it's a Wednesday. Nobody has church on Wednesdays anymore. Go to church, go to church. Anyway, long story short, there's a church in Oklahoma. It's called Church on the Move. And I just was like, I'm supposed to go to this church. What? This doesn't even make sense. So I called them. I'm like, what, you know, what are your hours? They had church Wednesday night service. And I, so my husband, at the time was very shy because he was very bound. He's free now, so he's not th- so much that way. But so he would depend on me to go to business meetings with him and carry the conversation because he was so shy. So I was supposed to go to a business dinner with him that night. And I said, I'm too sick to go. So he goes to his business dinner and I'm like, I hear this, go to church, go to church. So I'm like, okay, God, I got a three-year-old who's sick. It's not fair to take her to church unless she, I go into Reagan's room. Reagan? do you want to go to Jesus's house? She's three years old. She's like, yeah, I want to go. I'm like, all right. I throw on a baseball hat, ripped up jeans, my box of tissue. This is a huge church. I go into the very, put her in the nursery, go back to the very, very back seat of this huge church. I'm sitting in the complete pitch dark. I'm like, I don't know. Okay. This is, I told him I give him a week. I'm here. I just felt this overwhelming sense. I go in, this pastor preaches about the Holy Spirit. And I had never heard what I heard that day. And he taught about being baptized in the Holy Spirit. And when you're searching for truth genuinely, even if you're totally messed up and doing, and by the way, I had gone off the deep end. Let me just tell you, I had gone off the deep end 
And I was living a simple life, a very simple life. I was doing whatever I wanted to. For the first time in my life, I just did what I wanted to do. Um, so I was just off the deep end, but still searching, still trying to figure it out. Thank God. So I'm sitting there by myself in the back of this church, and what I hear him teach, I know it's truth because it resonates in my soul. I've never heard this taught before like this, but I know I'm hearing truth. And he talks about being filled with the Holy Spirit and all these things, which I'm going to tell you guys about today. And I knew it was true, but I was scared to death because I'm like, I'm pretty sure this is for crazy people. And I'll tell you later why I had such a, I had a really negative opinion of this. So I had a very negative opinion. So I'm like, but, but what the pastor was saying was true. And he wasn't weird and he wasn't crazy and he wasn't, he was sound and he was doctrinal and he was biblical and he was, and so he said, if you want this, come forward. What I did not know then, but I do know now is he only preaches a sermon once a year on a Wednesday. If I would not have gone, I can promise you by the following year, I would have been divorced Somebody would have been dead. I, I promise you, there would have been death involved, probably a suicide. It was very bad. And it was, God knew, I, there's no way I could wait another year. And this man told the truth in a way that you could tell was truth. I went forward and I'm like, they're going to be rolling around on the floor back there. They're gonna, there's probably 100 people went forward. They take us to a back room. They line us up in the shape of a U. They start at this end and, they, and I'm at the ver this end of the U. They come around like this. And I'm like, okay, people are going to be crazy. People are going to be very quiet, very peaceful, very orderly. And it doesn't always have to be that way, but I was grateful in retrospect for, for me that it was because it helped me receive. And when they got to me, I felt the power, the, the Holy Spirit just, I got this, this ability to pray. And it lasted for about a couple seconds. And then he was like, okay, everybody stop now. He says, go home, you have a gift, it's a gift, you can always use it, blah, 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 blah. I knew in that moment my life had changed. I knew I had had a God encounter with just a few seconds. I knew I would never be the same. And I get in the car, I call my mom. My mom's like, honey, I think you've gotten weird out there. Mom was like, oh, I don't know about this. Like, this is. I go home, Dave's home. He's not mad that I didn't go to the dinner. And he bought me this beautiful ring, which is crazy. I have a piece of jewelry that reminds me of this night. It didn't even make sense because our marriage was in shambles. But God did that that night. So I, I told him about it. He was like, I don't want to know about it. I don't want to hear about it. I don't care what you do. Never talk about this again. I want nothing to do with this. But I'm like, I don't care. I know I, know I just discovered truth. I just know I got an answer to my prayer. I go I go to bed. I couldn't wait to put Reagan to bed. Couldn't wait to get the loan. Couldn't wait to pray in the spirit. Go to pray in the spirit. Nothing. Couldn't do it. Wasn't there. What? I had a fit. I'm like, I experienced the power of God in a way I've never experienced in my entire life. And now it won't. I'm what? So I didn't know what to do. The next morning I start calling the church. Well, this church is about a 10,000 member church. As another huge church, and they were not big on customer service, and they're just like, ah, we don't, we can't really, we don't, can't really help you. But I'm like, what do I? I didn't know another single person who believed in this or knew about this or nobody. 
I'm crying out to God, asking God for this gift that I experienced that I knew was my lifeline. I knew it. I could feel it. I've never felt anything like it in my life. About a week goes by, and I'm desperate. And then the Holy Spirit reminds me of Brooklyn Tabernacle, where I had read the book. So I called. They have an 800 number. I'm like, I want you to know I'm not a paying customer. Will you please help me? You know, They're like, we will happily help you. And it's a, Brooklyn Tabernacle is a black church. So I get on the phone with this woman. I said, have you heard of this? Do you know about this? She goes, honey, are you kidding me? She goes, anybody who's doing anything for the Lord knows about this and is baptized in the Holy Spirit. Of course we know. She's like, don't you listen to Pastor Symbola's sermons? I said, well, not that much. But uh, I said, well, what do I do? I had it for a few minutes. It's gone. She said, by faith, just believe. It'll come back. Just keep asking, and you believe. She said, there's spiritual warfare because the enemy knows what you're going to do with it. So fight. Ask. Keep asking by faith. Maybe 24 hours later, I'm doing what she told me to do. I'm cleaning, wiping the counters off on my kitchen. And I'm asking for the hundredth time, God, I felt your power. Now I know there's something real here. I know what I've been missing. Now, Lord, you got to send it, send it, send it. All of a sudden, the power of the Holy Spirit hit me like a ton of bricks in the middle of my kitchen. I fell to the floor, weeping. Tears that heal your soul. Tears that cleanse your soul. Tears that are the greatest gift in the world. I cried and cried the good, the best tears, I swear, in my life on that kitchen floor. And I was so scared it would never come back again. I just kept, I'm like, I'm never getting off the kitchen floor. I stayed there until I had to pick my daughter up from school. And I cried so much, there was a little puddle of tears on the floor. And when I got up, that puddle, what's interesting is, for months when they would mop the floor, there was a salt ring. That, that puddle never, the salt ring, there'd be a little tiny ring. I mean, hardly anybody would have ever noticed, but I did. I knew exactly what that meant. And the day we sold our house years later, it was like two in the morning. I had gone out with a bunch of my friends. Dave was already here in North Carolina. I got out with a bunch of my friends to, you know, they had thrown a dinner for me. I had flown back. We were already living here. I had flown back to close the house. It was two in the morning. I went back to that house, I went right to that spot. I laid on my face. I thank the Lord for the Holy Spirit. Because before that, I had God. And I had Jesus, but I did not have the Holy Spirit. Not the way I'm going to teach you about it. He saved my life. He saved my marriage. He saved hundreds of people since that through me. I mean, you guys know all the people I baptized in this backyard. And I'm about to tell you about something that means everything to me. And I know it's true. And there was a time I didn't believe in it. And now I know the truth. And it is why I started this ministry was to pass this on to other wonderful believers who are devout, who are sincere, who love God. And yet they don't have power in their life. And they're exhausted and they're worn out and they're battle weary and they don't know how to overcome just the way I didn't 
and there is a piece missing, and it is life. And I could pass it on to you right here today. And so this is what we're doing. So Jesus put so much emphasis on this. And what Jesus did, he, so I am going to show you John 14, 15, and 16 are the things he told his disciples right before he was crucified. The last things you say to people before you die are the really important things you want to pass on, right? Well, let's see. What did he say? John 14, 16. I'll ask the Father. He'll give you another advocate, which is the Holy Spirit, who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit. You're going to watch over and over again. It's going to say advocate and truth. He said he will lead you into all truth. So the Holy Spirit is your advocate who will lead you into all truth. The world can't receive him because it isn't look, looking for him and doesn't recognize him, which, by the way, that's most churches today. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. So that's most churches. He lives with them now, but later he'll be in you. He's in you when you get baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit. But when the Father sends the advocate... We all need someone to advocate on our behalf. As my representative, that is the Holy Spirit. He will teach you everything, and he will remind you of everything I've told you. Okay? Next thing he says, John 15, 26. But I will send you the advocate, the spirit of truth. Again, advocate, truth. You need to know the truth. By the way, at that point when I was sitting in that church, I did not know the truth. I was so confused. I did not know up from down anymore. You need, Satan will deceive you and he will ruin and destroy your life. He, he will come to you from the Father and will testify about me. This next one, I know you've heard it before, but I want you to see it with fresh eyes. John 16, starting with verse 5. But now I'm going away to the one who sent me. And not one of you is asking where I'm going. Instead, you grieve. They were so grieved because he said, I'm about to leave all of you because of what I've told you. But in fact, it's best for you that I go away because if I don't, the advocate won't come. Now, wait a second. It's better not to walk with Jesus face to face on this earth. See, we think the ultimate is walking with Jesus face to face on this earth. He says it's better not to walk face to face with Jesus than to have the advocate. He says, but he won't come if I'm here. If I go away, then I'll send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and the coming judgment. When the spirit of truth, here's truth again, comes, he will guide you into all truth. What does it say? You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. You will be deceived unless you're filled with the Holy Spirit. You could even be deceived by the scripture because what did Satan try to use to deceive Jesus by? Scripture. You can even be deceived by the scripture. Satan doesn't care how you're deceived. As long as you're deceived, you've got to have the Holy Spirit so you'll really know the truth. He won't speak at his own, but he'll tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. This is how you get the gift of prophecy, which we'll go into in another time. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. All that belongs to the Father's mind, this is why I say the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. I just want to say this about truth, you guys. I got a, a picture yesterday, a text yesterday, one of my really good friends. He is a physician. So we're talking a professional, right? 
one of his colleagues yesterday went to fill out a thing for a job. I want to show you. I want to talk about truth. You need the truth in this generation more than ever. This is what he had to fill out for a professional job. Okay, how do you identify your gender? Pick cisgender female, cisgender male, gender fluid, gender queer, non-binary, transgender female, transgender male, two-spirit. I prefer not to say, I prefer to self-describe. This is on a job application for a professional. Now listen to me. We need the truth. This is a picture of the actual application for professional job. We got to get the truth. And you know what? This church is not standing up to this because they don't even have the truth. And even if they know the truth, they don't have the boldness and the backbone that comes from the Holy Spirit. People listen to my podcast and they say to me all the time, we don't know how you're so brave. I was like, are you kidding? If you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you have to be brave. You can't help but be brave. You can't be silent in the face of this evil. But the church, for the most part, is not filled with the Holy Spirit, not the way I'm going to explain to you. And so we're mousy, fearful, deceived, But you know what? It just took a handful of disciples. How many times have I said this to you guys? See, God is not, he's not about quantity. He's about quality. He's not about width. He's about depth. He's about those who say, I want to go as deep with God as is possible on this earth. And I will devote myself and commit myself with everything I have, which is what happened to me when I discovered the truth in that moment, in that very moment. So the Holy Spirit is what keeps us from going off this crazy train and lets us oppose it and defeat it in the name of Jesus. So the very last words that Jesus says before he dies is all about the Holy Spirit. What about the last words before he leaves the earth? What about this one? Acts 1, starting with verse 3. During the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, don't leave Jerusalem until the father sends you the gift he promised. Wait a second. Don't leave. Wait, 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 wait. Jesus just resurrected from the grave within the last 40 days. The biggest news in the world in history. There's no bigger news than the fact that Jesus is not dead, but he's resurrected, as he said, which which proves he is God. But his disciples who walked the earth with him for all the years, he says, don't go telling anybody. Shut your mouth, sit down, go wait until you get the Holy Spirit because you're going to mess it up. Because you need the power of the Holy Spirit to represent me properly. Don't tell anybody about my resurrection until you wait for the advocates that I promised you. John baptized with water, but in just a few days, I will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. What we're talking about today is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for 
Okay, he's talking to them about being baptized the Holy Spirit. They start saying, what are you going to do for me right here in this situation, in my messed up situation? By the way, this is what God did to Jesus did to me. I kept saying, what are you going to do for me in my messed up marriage and my messed up self and my messed up broken person? And he kept referring me back to the Holy Spirit. This is what Jesus does. They're like, what are you going to do? Are you going to restore to the kingdom? And, and he replies, the father alone has the authority to talk about these times and dates and blah, blah. He's like, that's not what I care about. So then he says, but he's like, can we please get off of your current problem? I want to talk to you about what really matters, but you will receive power. How do you get power? How do you live a powerful Christian life? When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, not just comes on the earth. It doesn't automatically happen just because Jesus died and you believed when he comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. How do you become a witness? How do you become a powerful witness? Telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout, throughout the whole world, it says. After saying this, he was taken into a cloud while they were watching and they could no longer see him. Um, last words. Last words before he dies. Last words before he leaves the earth. And we have two accounts of his last words. The other account of his last words are Mark 16, starting with verse 7. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. And then it says he left the earth. Last words. The most important thing you say in your life, as we know. And these are the last things he wanted to tell them about. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit. So then they do just what he says. They go and wait for it. And when they wait for it, Acts 2, starting with verse 1, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And if you went back and read, they were all in, together in one place praying. And suddenly, a sound like the blowing of violent wind came from heaven, filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And I've taught you guys this in the past. When you feel evil, you feel cold. And when you feel the Holy Spirit, you get real hot and you see it's tongues of fire. Um, they, the fire separated and came to rest on them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit enabled them. They spoke in tongues. Now, all these disciples, we all know the story, all these disciples up until this time walked with Jesus face to face on the earth every day for years. And yet they were immature, impulsive, selfish. Listen, they loved God. They loved Jesus. They abandoned him. They were not brave. They were cowards. They, they loved him. They believed in him. But what made the difference when they became powerful, when they became world changers, was the Holy Spirit. Because we all know the story. After this, what happened? After this, that minute they leave the upper room. That minute Peter, who had just denied Jesus, went out. 3,000 people are saved, baptized, bam, bam, bam. So it's the Holy Spirit that made the difference. And I could testify, and I have so many stories that when I tell you guys today, it's like I'm just trying to hold, rein myself in, but believe me, it's when the game changes. This is when my life, it was fireworks. Fireworks. So there were a lot, if I were Satan, 
Because be, what, one thing the woman from Brooklyn Tabernacle said, which also the preacher that night who taught me the first time, I never got to meet that man. It's funny, I was thinking about him this morning. I never got to meet him. He's retired now. In heaven. <laughs> I can't wait to meet him because he saved my family. He saved my life. And, and, and all the people that I've reached since because he told me the truth. And um, this will change everything if you do, and I'm going to explain it. So if I were Satan, because when, what I started to say was the preacher said and the woman from Brooklyn Tabernacle when I called, sh- they both said, listen, this is basically the portal to all the power all the gifting, the gift of prophecy, the gift of healing, every gift. And Troy is nodding his head here today because anybody who operates in the power of God and has done any signs and wonders understands that it only happens. If if you are not baptized in the Holy Spirit, you're not healing people and you are not casting out demons and you are not living in power. And if you are without being baptized in the Holy Spirit, because we know at the end of the age, people will come before Jesus and they'll say, I baptized people, I cast out demons, I did this, that, whatever. And he'll say, get away from me. I never knew you. Because there is an alternative power who does this, just like with Moses, right? There was an evil power that could replicate Moses' things and a godly power. And so you have to know, but this is the godly. There is no way you could do the things that Jesus commissioned you to do without being baptized in the Holy Spirit. And you will be an exhausted Christian with this much power. You might be as sincere and devout because I know I was. And you just don't know any better. So, but if I were Satan, so if I were Satan, the thing I would lie about more than anything is this. Because you might be a Christian, and you might have lost your soul. You, you, you're not going to hell. You're forgiven. You are forgiven. You know Jesus. See, here's the thing. It starts out, the whole world, most of the world believes in God. It's a big, big group, right? God. We call him Father, but God. Smaller group believes Jesus is the only way. Much smaller. It gets narrower and narrower as you get through the Trinity. By the time you get to the Holy Spirit and the power, Satan wants to, he's got to keep you away from the power. So he's got to make up lie after lie and get you, he's got to get you to believe his lies because that's the only way he can keep you from the power because Jesus died to give it to you. So there's a lot of lies around this. So I'm, gonna, I, I'm calling them myth busters as I wrote this last night. Myth buster number one. If you believe in Jesus, if you became a Christian, you're automatically baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now, here's the thing. When you become a Christian, just like the disciples, he said, the Holy Spirit is here, but later on there will be a separate experience when he's in you. When you become baptized in the Holy Spirit, he's in you. Other than that, he is, he's a part of the scenario, he's a part of the situation, but he's not in you. And I, I wanna, I want, and this is one of the biggest, this is one of the biggest lies that keeps people from receiving this power. So I wanna prove this to you. Okay, several ways to prove it to you. Acts 8, 14 through 16. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, okay, They are Christians. We all established this. They accepted the word of God. They are Christians. 
they sent Peter and John to Samaria. What, now, if you automatically receive the Holy Spirit, why do we need this next part of the verse? If you automatically receive it, it says when they arrived, they prayed for the new believers. They're believers. It's stated clearly there that they might receive the Holy Spirit, a separate, completely separate situation because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They are believers as stated by the gospel. The Holy Spirit had not yet come to them. It took a separate incident because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them, not a single one. Not a single one of them had yet received the Holy Spirit. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. They're baptized believers. They're baptized. They're believers. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Completely separate situation. Okay? The next scripture, Acts 19, 1 through 6. While Apollos was in Corinthians, Paul took the road through the interior, arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples. Okay, if you understand the meaning of the word disciples, that's more than a believer. A believer is someone who's just believed, and the other one was new believers. These are disciples. What are disciples? What does that mean in the Bible? Actual followers, they're actually people who really follow the scriptures. They're followers, disciples. He asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no. We've not heard that there's a Holy Spirit. See, that would have been me. I would have been like, no, I heard there's a Holy Spirit. I thought I had what I needed. So Paul said, then what baptism did you receive? Again, John's baptism. They were water baptized. Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance, which Troy talked a lot about the last couple of times he spoke to us. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him. This is in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the, I mean, baptized in the Lord. Then when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them. And what happened? They spoke in tongues and prophesied. Speaking in tongues is the very first piece that you get when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit. And then the other gifts follows like prophecy, etc. And since then, since I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, I have had the privilege of experiencing, um, I think, every gift. I, I, I mean, uh, casting out demons, healing the sick, praying for the people, then being baptized in the Holy Spirit, living in power, spreading the gospel, being bold, being fearless. No longer needing the opinion of man. Man, that cannot control me anymore. Fear can't control me anymore. How? How? I had walked with God for over 35 years before that. How? The baptism of the Holy Spirit. I am telling you the greatest gift that a person who knows Jesus. See, the way, the, the, so I told you I was in Oklahoma. The preacher's name was Willie George. Does that not sound like an Oklahoma preacher? Willie George, <laughs> the way Willie George explained it, and this was in 2000, September 2008. So this is 14, 15 years ago. And I now can testify, back then he told me it was true, now I can tell you for sure it's true. He said, being a Christian without the Holy Spirit is like building a house with a hammer, a nail, a saw, and a shovel. You're building the house. When you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, you're building the house with a, 
I don't know my stuff. Uh, what is it, an electric saw? <laughs> a sh- what are those things called? A gun? Nail gun. And a, a bulldozer. It's power tools. You're building the house. Okay, you want to build a house by hand? Have you seen what they do in like the 1700s? Or I, I, They're building a house across the street from me. Literally, I went to sleep one night and woke up the next day and it's built. Because they have power tools. And that's the difference. That is exactly the difference. It is the greatest gift. Okay, myth buster number two. I'm baptized in the Holy Spirit, but I don't speak in tongues. This one hurts my heart a lot because I hear preachers say, well, you can be baptized in the Holy Spirit, but you don't, you don't, you know, some people are baptized in the Holy Spirit, they just don't speak in tongues. I plead with you to never believe anything that is conjecture if it is not backed in the word of God. Please. Because the Bible says don't add to my words and don't take away from my words. And when you do, you are in a very fearful place. So I, when I hear people say that, I'm like, based on what scripture? Where do you see that in the Bible? Because I'm going to show you what I see in the Bible right here. Acts 10, 44 through 46. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. When they, how did they know they were filled with the Holy Spirit? Because they heard them speaking in tongues. Now, obviously, we could praise God without, without being baptized in the Holy Spirit, but you can't. Speak in tongues without being baptized in the Holy Spirit. All right? That's one place. What about this one? Acts 19.6. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues. Different spot. Different set of people. Different, different, different. Okay, one more. Acts 2.4. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So how, oh, okay, we don't, we don't base the gospel on experiences that we think, we base the, the, the truth of the gospel. Every place I could see in the Bible, they spoke in tongues when they had the specific experience of being baptized in the Holy Spirit. To me, so see, when I talk about the Lord, when I teach if you guys knew, I do it with such fear and trembling, I can't even tell you. The fear of God is on me when I teach the gospel to one person, to one person, that it be absolutely based on the scripture. Because let me tell you, I will be judged. But guess what? You will be judged if you believe made up stuff. Because you have the gospel of the truth. So I hope the fear of God is on you to not believe one, not, don't add to it, don't take away from it. Exactly what it says. Nothing more, nothing less. It's dangerous, dangerous ground to believe anything else. So, okay, so how do you possibly say you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit but you don't speak in tongues based on the word of God? I don't see it. And so therefore I think it's a demonic lie so that people think that they have it so they don't pursue it. So they think they're okay, and they live without the power. If you don't speak in tongues, you don't have the baptism. 
period. It's all you can find in scripture. Okay, myth buster number three. This one, uh, they all hurt my, you know what? They all hurt my heart because they're all very personal to me because I almost died because I didn't have this. I almost destroyed my own family because I didn't have it. And if you knew all the families that have been saved now through me getting baptized in the Holy Spirit, you would understand all those families. They, I guarantee you every single one of them would be divorced. There'd be horrible things that if I would have, if any of these lies, if Satan could have gotten me on any of these. So I'm very enraged by them with a righteous anger. So it says all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. All. What I cannot stand, which breaks my heart. Tongues is only for some people. Okay. There is a public use of tongues, and I'm going to talk about that when I'm finished with this. But we are talking, I am not talking about the public use of tongues, which I'm going to explain. But I, when I'm talking about you being baptized in the Holy Spirit, I'm talking about the private use of tongues, which is for everyone, all of them. Every single scripture I just gave you, every single time, everybody got it. If you go back and read the scriptures. So let's just talk about this for a minute. What is the purpose? What is the purpose of being baptized in the Holy Spirit according to what Jesus said? Acts 1.8, you will receive power to give you power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. You mean God only wants some people to have power and some people to be witnesses? Wait, wait, the only way you can have power and be witnesses is by being baptized in the Holy Spirit. He only wants it for some of you? Doesn't that seem cruel to you? What about 1 Corinthians 14.4? The person who speaks in tongues strengthens and edifies himself. Wait, only some people get to be strengthened and edified? Only a select special few? Really? Is that our God of love? Only some people get edified? You edify yourself when you speak in tongues. You strengthen yourself. I'm going to tell you a quick example. Many of you in this room know, but for the podcast's sake, um, Sherry and Dave and her husband Jim and I had all gone to dinner, and Jim began to choke. We thought he was choking. He turns red. He turns purple. We're in the restaurant. We think he's choking. Dave starts doing the Heimlich. The whole restaurant, you know, I mean, everybody's, Jim's on the floor. He turns red. He turns purple. He turns as black as this rug right here. And um, in a crisis, my husband is a superstar. He really is. In a crisis, I'm the last person you want there. I am a mess. I'm a mess. Sherry and I are very emotional. We're crying. We're, I mean, of course, this man is dying in front of us. David is working on him. There's no paramedics there. There's nobody. Uh, Dave's the only person working on him. Dave looks up at me. He says, pray in tongues. And I start praying in tongues right there in the middle of the restaurant. And Jim comes back to life. He was black as this. He comes back to life. And the paramedics come, and they take him in the ambulance, and we go to the hospital. And we celebrated like you've never seen anybody celebrate for, before. For three days, we were just like, and, it, you know, he was incubated, or whatever you call that. I never can say it right, but intubated. Well, how, anyway, how do you say it? Intubated, thank you. So he couldn't talk, but he was uh, alert, and, and we were just like, oh, God worked the greatest miracle. 
And then he had another stroke. He was gone. But I want to tell you, and that's a, that was a very difficult moment of faith, but God taught me, and Sherry, we've talked about this a lot, but that's an, another thing to go on to. But anyway, in that moment, when I prayed in the Holy Spirit, first of all, I stopped being a crazy person and actually did something. I literally couldn't have prayed. In, I couldn't have even prayed in English. I could, I was beside myself. But second of all, power came to the situation in that moment. It is a power that is, it edifies your soul. It edifies your situation. Dave's there working on Jim and he just looks up to me. He's like praying tongues. Now, of course, this is the man that all those years back when I got filled with the Holy Spirit, he said, don't ever tell me about it. Don't ever talk about it. I want nothing to do with it, right? But of course, I'm going to tell you his journey here in a few minutes. But this is the power. Okay, Jude 1, 16 through 20. We're back on, it's not for everybody, okay? Why would that power be for everybody? What does it do for us? These people are grumblers, fault finders. They follow their own evil desires. They boast about themselves. They flatter others for their own. But dear friends, so this is how, this is how to deal with evil people, okay? I want to just put this, I wanted to put the beginning of this out because you're going to deal with evil people, okay? They grumble, they're, they find fault in everything. They have evil. They follow evil. They boast about. They flatter for their own advantage. All these bad things. But so what's it say? But dear friends, remember what the apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ foretold. They said to you, in the last times, we're in the last times. You better have the power, right? In the last times, there will be scoffers who will follow their own ungodly desires. This is going to happen, people. So what are we supposed to do about it? Leave the earth? Are we supposed to move into a bunker? Are we supposed to live off the land? What are we supposed to do? These are the people who divide you, who follow your natural instincts and don't have the spirit. They don't have the spirit. By the way, it doesn't say they're not Christians. It says they don't have the spirit because I know at the beginning of this verse, the, the grumblers, the fault finders and all that stuff, our church is filled with them. Well, then what is it? They don't have the spirit. It says, but you, dear friends, by building yourself up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, praying in tongues. How do you deal with the impossible people? How do you do it? Pray in the Holy Spirit. Believing in Jesus is only the first step. You got to have this peace. It is a vital part of warfare. Now, we all know this scripture, Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. How are you strong in the Lord and his mighty power? Will you put on the armor of God? Let's read through it. Put on the full armor of God so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Listen, if, as long as you're a Christian on this earth, you're going to have to be a fighter. If you don't want to have to fight, if you, don't, if, you, if you think you can just curl up on your couch and, and binge watch TV, let me tell you, you're going to get eaten alive because you've got to fight. You've got to have a resilience and a strength, but it comes from God. And let me tell you, it's not hard when it comes from the Holy Spirit because you're not doing it in your own strength. He's doing it through you. So it says, our struggle isn't against flesh and blood. Man, you couldn't have convinced me that when my husband, I thought he was literally going to kill me, right? But it's not against flesh and blood. It's against authorities, powers, dark world against the spiritual forces of evil and heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God 
so that when the day of evil comes, when it comes, it will come. This was written thousands of years ago, and he knew for thousands of years the day of evil would come in every person's life. You may be able to stand your ground, which we better get standing some ground. And the only way you're going to stand ground is being filled with the Holy Spirit. And after you have done everything to stand, okay, I've done everything I can to stand. Stand your ground. Stand firm then with the belt of truth. What, how do we get truth? We talked about that earlier. The Holy Spirit buckled around your waist. Breastplate of righteousness. Your feet fitted with the, the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up your shield of, the, of faith. It'll extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And what is the very last piece of armor? And pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, alert, be always alert, praying for all the Lord's people. Wait, wait, wait. The, the piece of the armor that you're supposed to do all the time, all the time, is pray in the Spirit. Can I tell you, when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, can I tell you, I prayed in the Holy Spirit every waking moment of my day that I could. If I was on hold, I'd pray in the Holy Spirit. If I literally, because I was in a battle for my life, my family, and the lives of a whole bunch of other people at the time, I didn't even know yet, right? So the enemy was out to destroy me. I, literally, I remember being at Whole Foods, and you could pray in the Spirit quietly. You, don't, you could pray in the Spirit without anybody hearing. I remember signing my receipts, praying in the Holy Spirit. I, I, I had to pray in the Spirit constantly. To this day, I... I, I pray in the spirit when I listen to sermons because I want extra as much. Your mind is quiet. When you pray in the Holy Spirit, your mind is quiet. You can multitask. I can literally balance my checkbook and pray in the Holy Spirit because your, your spirit is praying. Your mind's not praying. You can do all kinds of other things. So you can do it on all occasions, even when you're working, even when you're doing other things. It's your spirit. It's the spirit of God praying through you. So you literally can pray on all occasions. When you're praying in the Holy Spirit, you are praying the hidden mysteries of God, things that you would not know to pray for. You pray for things in the future. You pray for people and situations that you couldn't possibly know and you don't know. You know, when I pray in the Holy Spirit and I pr try to get up every morning and pray in the Holy Spirit, and, and a lot of times in the morning when I'm having my quiet time, I'll pray with my mind, so I'll be praying for some body, something, and then I'll pray in the Holy Spirit. Now, when I'm praying in the Holy Spirit, I might be praying for something totally different. I don't know what I'm praying for when I pray in the Holy Spirit a lot of the time. But what will happen time and time again is as I'm sitting there praying in the Holy Spirit, all of a sudden somebody will come to my mind. And I'll think, so-and-so needs me to call them. So-and-so needs this scripture. So-and-so needs a song. So-and-so. And I'll send it out, and all of a sudden, they'll say, how did you know? How did I'm praying in the Holy Spirit. That's how. I don't know. I know nothing. I can barely keep my own life straight. I definitely don't know what's going on with yours. I just pray in the Holy Spirit. And God gives me what I need. I can't imagine being a mom without the gift of the Holy Spirit. My daughter, she's like, I can't even think something wrong. And you know. She's like, how do you always know? Because I pray in the Holy Spirit. Trust me. God gives you wisdom for your children. God gives you wisdom for the things you need. I've had women that I'm helping whose husbands are, you know, they suspect are having affairs or doing things like this. And I've said to them, don't go snooping. Don't go searching. Go, don't 
pray in the Holy Spirit. We gotta get you baptized in the Holy Spirit. Then pray in the Holy Spirit. If you need to know, God will show you. If you don't need to know, leave it in God's hands. Let God reveal whatever you do or don't need to know. You can trust God to reveal to you anything you need to know. Anything you need to know. I can't tell you the things that have been revealed through praying in the Holy Spirit. I, Troy, being in my life, a lot of you have asked me the question of Troy, so I'm going to tell you the Troy story. Um, it's so funny. I just People are still listening to Troy's podcast because it takes a while. You guys know the podcast goes all over the world. We have people all over the world who listen to this podcast. And I've been getting messages. We want to know how you met Troy. So here's the story. I think all of you know Dick and Susie. If you don't, this is Dick and Susie in the room right here. Um, they are our family. So that's our heart sitting right there. Um, Dick has been an absolute father to my husband for decades. He gave my husband um, the best business advice of his life. He has guided my husband's decisions. Um, he gave my husband affirmation that he never received from his own father. Just an important, important person in our lives. And Susie is my sister. And she is absolutely my sister. It's funny, on Facebook, I always talk about my Chinese sister. I was just telling her last night, I have quite a few Asian friends who are always like, we want to meet your Chinese sister. Did your parents adopt her? How did that? I'm like, yes, actually they did, because her mom's in China. And so Dick and Susie have been in our lives for decades, and they are some of the loves of our life. And we have done, we do holidays together, we vacation together, we cry together and laugh together and have had some of our best memories together and, you know, they're there for Reagan's birth and, I mean, all those things, right? So life. Well, one of Susie's neighbors listens to my podcast and she wanted to meet me last year. She heard I was coming in to, to visit Suze and she said, I want to meet her. I've listened to her podcast. We met. We had a wonderful time, lovely time. And then probably six months later, maybe more, nine months later. Actually, Dave was in the middle of getting a colonoscopy. I remember it. Uh, by Mylene's husband. I'm sitting outside the hospital waiting for him. And Susie's neighbor calls me. And she said, do you know that Dick's son is spirit-filled and doing all this stuff for God? I said, no, no, no. I, I, I don't think so. I said, I you know, we've known about Troy forever. I don't think. She's like, oh, no, no, he is. He's filled with the Holy Spirit. He, God uses him in all these ways and blah, blah. I was like, I really, I don't, I can't imagine that that's, she's like, no, it's true. I'm like, well, this is amazing. Go home, pray in the Holy Spirit. Every time I'm praying in the Holy Spirit for the next couple months, you got to reach out to Troy. You got to find Troy. You got to get reach out to Troy. Every time I'm praying in the Holy Spirit. And I'm like, well, this is so weird. So finally, so Troy stays up till like two in the morning and I wake up at four in the morning. So we have a text and, and at two in, at night is when he's finally quiet because his life is filled with ministry from the minute he gets up to the minute he, he serves God six days a week. And, and my life is the same way. So at four in the morning is when I'm quiet, two in the morning. So I start, we start a texting friendship. Four in the morning, I'm texting him. I know you don't know me. I hope you keep your ringer off when you sleep. <laughs> uh, I, you know, start making the introduction. He texts me back at two in the morning. We start texting back and forth. And I said, Dave, 
Troy is like this man. I could because you can feel you can feel the Holy Spirit, really the Holy Spirit in somebody else. I said, I'm telling you, I feel the Holy Spirit. I tell you, I really. He's like, I don't think so. We met years ago. I said, yeah, when you met years ago, you weren't even a Christian. Like, what do you mean? Like, it's like 20 years ago. Like, who, you know. Finally, I went to, he has these home churches in Raleigh. And Dave was supposed to go. He got sick. So Ray and I just went. We stayed at his home church till 11 at night. And because I get up at 4 in the morning, I started to drive home. And I'm like, oh, I'm getting a hotel. And I'm like, the spirit of God is truly here. And it started this whole entire relationship. And I think about how many people he's ministered to here. He's had a profound blessing and impact to us. We've gotten a brother in Christ. But all of that happened because of praying in the Holy Spirit. Because every time I would pray. Now, my life is so busy. During the day, I wouldn't even think about it. Then pray in the Holy Spirit, quiet. Troy Henry, Troy Henry, Troy Henry. I'm like, I don't even know how to reach him. I don't even know how to get a hold of him. Like, is that even, am I supposed to, like, you know. This is what God does. He uses the gift of tongues to edify you, to guide your path, to give you divine connections, people you're supposed to be connected to. Why would he only do that for a few people? Why on earth would anybody believe? Listen, you're responsible for what you believe. Why would you believe that? Why would you believe it? Why would you think that's not for you? It's only for a special, super, super spiritual people. They're supposed to be blessed with this kind of gift. And, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, well, that's another myth buster, so I'll come back to that one. So there is a private use of tongues, and that's the only thing I'm talking about here today. Now, I'm going to show you there's a public use of tongues, and I'm going to prove it biblically just so I can show you there's a distinction. Here it is, 1 Corinthians 12, 10 through 11. It's where it talks about all the different gifts, and here it says you know, um, speaking, so it says another miraculous powers to another prophecy, another distinguishing between spirits, speaking in different kinds of tongues, and still another interpretation of tongues. So this is the public use. He's saying some people get these different gifts for the public edification of the, if you read the whole scripture in context, which we don't have time to do today, you will see that this is talking about all the different things that build up the public body of Christ. That's what this is for. Now, he gives very specific directions on how it's supposed to be used in public. And I see abuses of this all the time. And we're going to talk about this, but it's, we're going to start with 1 Corinthians 14. I picked out the verses that talk about tongues because it's interwoven with prophecy. And we don't have time to go through all that. But go back and read it, starting with 1 Corinthians 14. Anyone who speaks in tongues does not speak to people but to God. You are speaking directly to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit, which I was just explaining to you guys. Anyone who speaks in tongues edifies themselves. You need that. He said, this is the Apostle Paul talking. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues. I want all of you to speak in tongues. But... I'd rather have you prophesied. Now he's talking about the public use. The one who prophesies is greater than one who speaks in tongues unless someone can interpret. In public, you are supposed to have one person, you're going to see, interpret. One person speaks in tongues, one person interprets. Why? It says so the church can be edified. So it is with you. Since you're eager for the gifts of the Spirit, try to excel in those that build the church. For this reason, the one who speaks in tongues should pray that they may interpret what they say. 
I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you, but in church, public, public, public use. I would rather speak five intelligible words of instruction to others than a thousand in tongues. So if the whole church comes together and everyone speaks in tongues and and inquirers or unbelievers come in, won't they say that you're out of your mind? When you come together, each of you has a hymn, a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Everything must be done that, that the church may be built up. Public use. If everyone speaks in tongues, two or at the most three should speak one at a time, and someone must interpret. If there's no interpreter, the speaker should keep quiet in the church and speak to himself and God. You should be quiet. If you don't have an interpreter, therefore, my brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy and do not forbid, do not forbid speaking in tongues, but everything should be done in a fittingly, fitting and orderly way. Now, let me tell you something. I have gone to charismatic church after charismatic church. Uh, why don't I, I, I can't tell you the time they do not obey the word of God. This Do you know why this breaks my heart so much? See, in college, I was a Christian. I talked to you about that. I had a reputation as a good Christian girl in college. And in college, I went, a guy invited me to go to church with him. And I go to church, and they all start speaking in tongues like this. Now, I didn't know anything about speaking in tongues, but it was the freakiest, weirdest thing I said, I have got to go to the bathroom. I went to the bathroom. I called my sorority sister. I said, come pick me up. I have been abducted to the weirdest church. Please come help me. She came and got me. I didn't go back and tell him I was leaving. I I was out of there. And then I blackballed him from my sorority. He was not allowed to call my sorority or enter the steps of my sorority. See, this was because, what does it say? If you all start talking in tongues at the same time and someone doesn't understand, you're going to absolutely close the door to them receiving the power. What would have happened if they did things a biblical way and I would have actually encountered the true power of God that day? And someone would have spoken in tongues and someone would have interpreted? My heart was so open to God. I, I wanted the power. I always wanted the power. I would have, I, I, that could have changed the course of my life. But because they're babbling on like a bunch of crazy people, it absolutely shut me down. And I didn't experience the power at all. And that poor kid, I mean, I feel sorry for the boy today. I I, I have a problem with remembering names. I don't remember his name or I would probably try to look him up and tell him sorry. But, you know, I, but it wasn't his fault. But that church just totally dishonored and disobeyed God. And you can't do that. Now, on On the opposite side, Brooklyn Tabernacle, which I've talked about before in my testimony. After I got filled with the Holy Spirit, and I told you I would fly back to Philadelphia all the time because I had a business there, and my parents still live there and whatever, and every chance I got, I would go to Brooklyn Tabernacle. Now, I told you, Brooklyn Tabernacle is like a 20,000-person church or so, and they have um, a choir that sings at uh, Radio City Music Hall every year. Their choir has hundreds of people in it. It's like heaven on earth. It's like angels. It's amazing. Um, and then you have this huge auditorium, and it goes all the way up to the ceiling. It seats thousands and thousands of people. People line up around the block. See, people line up around the block to get to the power. Churches are dying everywhere. You can hardly get anybody in a church, but if you have the power, there's a line around the block. 
So there's a lot in Brooklyn. So I would go to this, and it was done right there. And I remember so specifically, they're in the middle of giving announcements, and all of a sudden, one of the choir members stands up. Hundreds of people in the choir. I would say maybe four or 500 people just in the choir up in the front. Someone stands up at the very back of the choir. He stands up, and he speaks in tongues, and his voice just reverberates through the whole, no mic, no nothing, but you, everybody could hear him, and the place went dead silent. And there's a then he sat down, quiet. Someone stands up in the balcony. You've got thousands and thousands of people in this room. They stand up in the balcony. They give the interpretation. Everybody can hear. It reverberates through the entire room. It was, you could hear a pin drop of these thousands of people speak in the room. Weeping, power, the presence of God, and everything was still and quiet. He, they sat down. There's a moment where you just, there was a reverence in the room and there was quiet. And then they went on with the service. This is the most powerful thing. See, when it's done right, the way God says to do it, it's amazing. When it's done the way he says, don't do it, where everybody's babbling at the same time, and I've gone to church, I've looked so hard to find a church with the power, and you see it all the time. So it's so important that you understand, first of all, you were meant to have the private use. The public use, it's not for everybody. Not everybody gets that. I have been given the ability to speak in tongues and interpret. It probably happens about once a year. When I've been given the, op the Holy Spirit has given me tongues and interpretation. As a matter of fact, on my birthday, on my 50th birthday, which is a very, very significant birthday in my life, a changing point that the Lord had told me long in advance, because that's one of the things about speaking in tongues. The Holy Spirit tells you, it gives you prophecy. You know things to come in the future. And so when you do it all the time, the Lord speaks to you a lot. So he had talked to me a lot about my 50th birthday, and on my 50th birthday, um, at the end, the day, it was like two days after my birthday, and everybody's getting ready to go back to the airport, and we're in this room, and I felt the Holy Spirit come over me. And when I feel the Holy Spirit unction, you just get up and you follow. And it was a small group who had all flown in for my birthday, and one by one, the Holy Spirit was giving me, I was praying over them in tongues, and God was giving me the interpretation. Praying over in tongues, and God giving me the interpretation. Praying over tongues. Each of them got a word, and one of them was from my childhood best friend from when we were kids, her son, who is a spirit-filled, on-fire, God-loving believer in his mid-20s. And the Holy Spirit talked to me about the woman he was to marry. Now, when you get words like this, a lot of times you don't, I don't remember. I didn't even remember it. But he remembered, his mom remembered, word for word. And in this thing, I spoke about there's a woman coming, and there's a woman in your life, and it's a trap, and she's a Jezebel. And do not, this is not the path that God has for you, but God has this girl. And then he gave me a description of the girl. I, and like I said, I don't even remember because it's not my thoughts. It flows through me. And because it happens a lot, I, don't, I just don't retain a lot of these things. Well, can I tell you? So I'm 51 and a half. Okay. So like six months ago, so about a year or so after my birthday, the whole thing played out exactly as I prophesied by speaking in tongues and getting interpretation. His mother called me. She's like, you cannot believe it. Long story, which, of course, I know I'm up against time. 
But Liz, literally the first girl that, you know, God's shutting it down. And then the second girl, and even the description, the blonde hair, the blue eyes, the smile, there were physical descriptions. It was unbelievable. That's what God does. He gives you prophetic words. That's called prophecy. And that particular prophecy happened because I spoke in tongues and the Holy Spirit gave me interpretation. Am I something special? No. No. I'm a housewife. So here is what the Bible says. How do you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? You first have to understand that it's for you. You first have to understand that it comes with tongues. You first have to understand these things. And it says, everyone who asks receives. Anyone who seeks finds. Everyone who knocks the door will be open. Your father, your fathers, if your children ask for, or mothers, if they ask for, for a fish, do you give them a snake? If they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you sinful parents know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? That's it. He doesn't say you turn yourself upside down and spin on your head and do all this stuff. He doesn't, he doesn't. Okay, so myth buster number four, how do you receive the Holy Spirit? Right here, you ask by faith. How do you get saved? By faith. It's not, so you know what they'll say, I've heard them be like, empty yourself, empty yourself. Uh, Okay, well, you're too sinful. You can't receive the Holy Spirit because you're too sinful. Let me tell you something. The most sinful I ever was in my whole life was when I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. God didn't give me the Holy Spirit because I was good enough. Can I ask you, how would you possibly earn, how could you be good enough to earn the Holy Spirit? Isn't it kind of almost, it's like like our, us being this sinful could earn the gift of the Holy Spirit? That almost seems sacrilegious to me. Okay, so you can't receive the Holy Spirit because you're too sinful? Well, I, I can testify that's not the truth. Okay, well, you need to empty yourself. Okay, well, you just need to start muttering a few words. Well, you just need to stop. Ask. That's it. That, you know, the, the myth buster of how to receive the Holy Spirit of, you know, uh, you know, everything is based on what scripture? Based on what scripture do you empty yourself? You're too sinful. You're too, uh-uh, no scripture. He says, ask. He's so desperate to give it to you. He's as desperate as a parent is to give their children food. As desperate as a father or a mother is to give their children food, that's how desperate he says he is to give you the Holy Spirit. He wants you to have it regardless of how sinful you are, how much you've messed up or whatever, whatever you've done, I promise you, I'll give you a run for your money. And I was in the middle of it and I got the Holy Spirit because I was seeking truth and I was seeking God and God is merciful and God is kind and God is gracious. And when we genuinely ask him for him, he gives him to us. Now, he gave me the Holy Spirit and he cleaned up my mess. Trust me, he doesn't give you the Holy Spirit and say, just keep on doing that. Uh-uh. No way. He says, I give you the Holy Spirit so you can be cleansed. I cleanse you. you. If we could cleanse ourselves, we wouldn't need Jesus or the Holy Spirit. Do not let anything hold you back from the Holy Spirit. Don't. And then receive it and then do it constantly. Be hungry for it. Want to go deep with God. Mean it. 
Be the handful. What does they say? Why does the path to destruction narrow is the path to eternal? Be one of the few. Now, I can tell you that we can block what God wants to give us. You know, we know that all the time, right? By faith, we receive salvation. If you don't have faith, if you don't believe, if you don't surrender your life, salvation is surrendering your life to Christ. But the thing about the Holy Spirit is not everybody's ready to receive. And I want to talk to you about this. Dave Harvitz. So I've got two very important Daves in my life, and I'm going to tell you a story about each of them. Dave Harvitz is my godson who my husband and I raised, um, and his um, family, his, there were four children, Dave and I, my husband and I, Dave. <laughs> okay, I'm going to say Harvitz and Dave. Harvitz is my godson. Harvitz was a, um, uh, we were, Dave and I were Young Life leaders. Harvitz was a Young Life kid. And the leader of Young Life said, this kid drives me crazy. I can't stand it. I, I said, I'll, I'll take on this kid. So I take on the kid because the leader was like, I, he's driving me crazy. Well, at the time, I had a, the privilege of leading him to Christ and finding out that he had a single mother, four kids. She's in and out of institutions for mental health, you know, substance abuse, et cetera, et cetera. The father's out of the picture. Harvitz is the oldest of the kids. And so, and this is, of course, before I'm baptized in the Holy Spirit, right? I'm barely 20-something. I mean, my husband and I had only been married a year when we found this kid. And so, you know, we raised him, and he, um, it's amazing. He, we have a blindside story. He went and saw that movie with a girl in college, and it wasn't somebody he had known very long. He said he sobbed through the movie, which he is not a crier. And um, he said, this is our story. And he, he, he overcame all the odds. He ended up being, a, he's a doctor today. He is a beautiful wife who is a woman of God. They have four kids. His other siblings have been in and out of prison. And one of them just died of overdose a couple weeks ago. And here he is living for God. You know, this is the difference Jesus makes. We gave the other kids the option. They didn't want it, but he did. But when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, you could, I told everybody. I mean, people were probably avoiding me because I'm like, hey, I told you about the Holy Spirit. You haven't done it yet. Come on, come on, come on. You can't live without this. It was the best thing in the world. So I, um, I was living in Philadelphia. He, at that time, was a, was a traveling doctor. So he would travel. So we would meet at my parents' house for holidays. So he flew in, I flew in. We go downtown Bethlehem at the time in Pennsylvania, and I said, we're sitting in an Irish pub, and I'm telling him all about this. said, you got it. He goes, I don't know about this. I don't, you know, because this is foreign to everybody I know. I don't, I don't know, Steph. It just sounds, I was like, Harvitz, it's real. It's power. It's life. And he, he was like, well, at the end, he said, okay, go ahead and pray over me. So we go in the car. I pray over him. Nothing happens. And I was new at it, and I said, I, I don't know, but I think you have to really, I, don't think, I think you have to have faith that you really want this. And uh, I said, I think you're pretty hesitant right now. So we go about the rest of our evening, and I go to bed. He had a bunch of college kids come over and stay at my parents' house. They were all hanging out that evening, 
and they're hanging out, playing games, doing things, and he gets up to go to the bathroom, and in the middle of the hall, he gets baptized in the Holy Spirit, starts speaking in tongues. What happened? I asked him later, what happened in between? As the evening went on, he was thinking about it in the back of his mind, and he's like, I do want this. I see such a difference in Stephanie. I do want this. And when he really wanted it, it came. Not, I do, I don't, I do, I don't. You know, what does God say about double-mindedness? You guys know in James, right? Double-minded person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord, it says. So as long as you're double-minded, um, I have another story about this. And, and my girlfriends, so at the time that I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, I was in such bad shape. I had flown back, and I met one of my girlfriends in Manhattan. And when I went to get on the plane, she was crying. And she said, Stephanie, I don't feel like I'm going to see you alive. I feel like you're going to die. I feel like you are in such a dark place. I literally fear for your life. And that was in August. I get baptized in the Holy Spirit in September, and I fly back and see her in November. When she opens the door, she sees me, and I looked so physically different because I had told her about it. She was like, oh, honey, listen, you're just doing some crazy, weird religious thing, which is fine. You could be doing drugs. You could be doing this, that, whatever. So whatever. You're just going to go on a weird religious thing, and you'll be fine. You'll come out of it when you're through this, blah, blah, blah. She opens the door and she sees me and she said, oh my goodness, this is real because I was transformed. And she said, well, we all need this. And we gather up, her bedroom is about the size of this room. We gather up the next morning and we call in a bunch of the girls and I didn't know anything. I didn't know anything. I had just finally gotten it, right? I had been fighting for it. But I knew that one verse, this one right here. If you ask your heavenly father, he'll give it to you. That's all I knew. I said, if you ask your heavenly father, he will give it to you. The Holy Spirit fell on that room. And there were several of them were like Ivy Leaguers, a little stiff, a little. The Holy Spirit fell on them so hard. They were overwhelmed by the love of God. That's what they said. They could feel the love of God so strong. Literally, they're crying. I remember one of them, there was snot coming out of this one girl's nose. And she's like this buttoned up, Ivy like She was like, I just couldn't even move. I was paralyzed by the power and the love of God. Because they were convinced it was real. Because they were convinced that they genuinely, now listen, it was available to them. All the, they, the, the, the woman who got that baptism, she, her father was, wrote books, was a renowned Christian. She was, her, she taught, she was the head of our BSF, the entire head of the whole BSF for Philadelphia. Or not BSF, CBS. She didn't have it. She didn't have it. So what's the difference? Understanding, believing, and wanting it. it was there all along. My husband, Dave, we, he was very against this. He was against my crazy religious thing. And I was very careful not to talk to him about it because the Bible says you will win your husband without a word. And I was very careful because I knew my words would only push him the other direction. And we were driving to dinner. And I had been baptized in the Holy Spirit by se for several years now. And my life was on fire. People were getting baptized in the Holy Spirit. I was praying over people that were getting baptized in the Holy Spirit all over the place. Miracles were happening. I was doing deliverance. I mean, all this stuff. But I kept it very quiet at home with him. I didn't talk about it. Just went out and served the Lord and kept, you know, because, listen, you do things God's way, it works. We're driving to dinner. He says, and about this praying in tongues stuff. And I'm like, about it? What do you mean? We haven't, <laughs> who's been talking to you about it? It's going on up in his head, right? 
about this. You know, I want to know in Christian history, you know, this, that, whatever. I said, Dave, I barely know American history. I don't know. I, I, please, let me just ask you this, Dave. I said, have I drastically changed? He said, yes. He said, I said, do you like the change? He was like, yes. I said, that's all I have to say about that. I said, if you want the Holy Spirit, if you're genuinely interested or you just might want to fight, I don't know. I'm not going to fight with you. I'm not going to convince you. I had to go out and get it. You go out and get it. You really want it? You go get it. What we didn't know that night, because he was estranged from his family, what we didn't know that night was that his dad was going to die. Dave is up in the middle of the night. He's estranged from his family. His father passed away. He can't sleep, and Dave is type A, so he's up painting the bathroom in the middle of the night. He just decides to paint the bathroom. I don't know, found paint somewhere. He just had to do something. He's painting the bathroom in the middle of the night, and in the middle of painting the bathroom, he starts speaking in tongues. Now, he doesn't tell me about it for about a day. He's not excited about it. He's not happy about it. And I then was devastated that he wasn't excited or happy about it. And as usual, you know, we're tumbling into, and I'm like, Steph, shut up. Just be quiet. Stay out of it. You weren't part of it then? Stay out of it. Well, he quenched the Holy Spirit. 1 Thessalonians 5.19 says, do not quench the Holy Spirit. See, the Spirit is represented like a dove. Remember when Jesus came up out of the water after being baptized, it says the Holy Spirit came on him on the form of a dove? A dove, Jesus is the Lion of Judah. He's a roaring lion. Holy Spirit is a dove. Very different. Their personalities are completely different. You can quench him. So Dave, after not really being excited about this gift, after not really valuing it, after not really... It left. He starts to grow in God. Now he wants to speak in tongues. He can't. We moved to North Carolina. Years pass. Five years pass. He's like, I really want this gift now. Now, he's, now he has a relationship with God. Now he's seeing the power of it. Now he's jealous for what I have with God and wants it. Five years pass. I said, Dave. You quenched the Holy Spirit. You didn't honor the gift. You've got to repent. You have got to get on your face and repent. Ask God to forgive you, apologize to the Holy Spirit, and ask him in his kindness and his grace and his mercy to give it back to you. So we did that. We were going, he did it. We're going to a church at the time in Winston-Salem. We go to church one Sunday. It's worship time. I'm up worshiping, tears flowing down. I'm in a place with God. Dave couldn't worship like that. He'd sit in the thing. He wouldn't even stand. He'd sit stone like a piece of rock. Sit there. I don't even know what's going on. When I worship, I don't even know what's going on. I don't know who you are. I don't know who's on stage. I forget who I am. I'm in the presence of the Lord. I don't know what's happening around me. I'm in another place. I sit down, Dave said, the guy behind me, 
just put his hands on me. And when he put his hands on me, I started praying in tongues. I said, you're kidding. So at the, you know, when they say meet, talk to the person behind you, you know, so at the break, when they talk, I said, you just put your hands on my husband for five years. I told him the story. The man says to me, he's a little old man and a little old woman. Let me tell you, you never, never burn out with God. You never age out. The Bible says you go from higher to higher. The older you get, the more experience and more the spirit. And it hurts me when people focus on the young, which I'm into focusing on. I'm into focusing on every age. If you knew the thing about spirit arising, we have from very young to very old in my leadership team. Because at every age, you value the kingdom of God in the most powerful ways. This man and woman, they were so old they could barely walk. They had tottered in, sat down. I said, what? what? I've never seen you here before. He said, I don't go to this church. I said, well, what happened? He said, I woke up this morning. God told me to go to this church. I walked into the church. He said, God told me to sit in this seat. He said, during worship, God told me to put my hands on him and pray. He said, I didn't even pray that he'd be baptized in the Holy Spirit. I just prayed for him. God gave him the gift that he repented of and received because he had quenched the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is different. He is to be treated differently. See, I'm very, and God was gracious and God was merciful. I'm very protective of the Holy Spirit. I don't get upset much. If you know me, I don't get very upset very often. You um, are disrespectful of the Holy Spirit or don't want him or don't like, not want him for yourself. People have to work that out for themselves, but you're offended. People are offended by the Holy Spirit all the time. I can tell you, I don't care. You could be my husband, my family, my best friend, the person I wear, I don't care who you are. I'm so protective of him, my back gets up. Very protective of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit saved my life, my family, and everybody I know. And it, it, there is an offense of the Holy Spirit. And it's, the Bible says, anyone, if Luke 12, 10, anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. But anyone who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. Now, don't worry if you're just like, well, you know, what if I blaspheme the Holy Spirit? What if, I, if you did, you wouldn't be sitting here. Because once you move into this, you don't want to go back to him. It's a, it's a permanent move. It's like the Pharisees. They never went back. But I want you to understand, to, re, to treat the Holy Spirit with respect, to desire the gift that Jesus says is the greatest gift. He talks about it repeatedly before he dies. Talks about it repeatedly before he goes to heaven. It is the gift that gives you power. It is the gift that gives you miracles. It is the gift that gives you strength. It is the gift that helps you deal with evil people who are grumblers and fault finders and difficult and exhausting. It is the gift that gives you wisdom. It is the greatest gift. And you gotta want it. And so, you know what, people are, the, the thing that the enemy does the most is make people afraid. I was afraid. I did it afraid. Dave Harvitz, I said to him, do it afraid. And sometimes when you're afraid, that can kind of pause your ability to, you know, like I told you about Dave Harvitz, you, you might have to kind of work it out or might have to kind of do it afraid. The final myth buster is you're making it up. So often when you get gift, the gift of the Holy Spirit, the very thing Satan says is you made it up. Well, did you ever make it up before? 
Are you, it's every single, it's like everybody. Now, I didn't get that one. I knew I got something powerful and I wanted it so bad I had to fight and fight and fight for it. So, but that is a common thing that I hear over and over again. I'm scared of it. I've made it up. Blah, blah, blah. It is, it is, listen, the entire New Testament was written by people who were baptized in the Holy Spirit. The entire New Testament. Think about it. Think about who wrote the New Testament. Every single one of them was baptized in the Holy Spirit. So, this is real. You need it. And let me tell you one more thing. I talked on this before, years ago, and it was recorded, and it was sent to somebody. And when it was sent to her, she's running on the treadmill in the gym. She's listening to the podcast. She's like, God, I want it. I want it. I see it's for real. I see it's for, she's been Christian for decades. I see it's real. I see it's for me. I want it. She gets baptized in the Holy Spirit right there in the treadmill in the middle of the gym. She's like, oh my goodness. I just got baptized in the Holy Spirit. What I'm saying is, listen, go into agreement with what God, Jesus died and left the earth to give you. Receive it by faith. Understand the power and the importance of it. Be changed forever. Now, one last thing. You have to do it all the time. It's like exercise or eating. Have you ever had somebody? <laughs> one time Dave did a diet plan because Dave is a terrible dieter. And they said, we want you, because he would never exercise, we want you to exercise one minute a day, just push-ups one minute a day. After three days, he stopped doing it. I said, why would you stop doing it? He said, it didn't work. <laughs> Now, my husband's Mensa, so he's brilliant. So I'm like, really? Like you, <laughs> like, you really believe that? We've had the same conversation with diet plans. Well, I did it for three days. I didn't lose any weight, so it doesn't work. So I'm back to, listen, this is the Holy Spirit. You don't do this once for one minute. You do, what does, what, when I read to you about the armor of God, what did it say? Do it continuously all the time, all the time. And if you don't, then you don't have the armor on. And if you don't, and you don't have the armor on, then don't blame Jesus that he didn't protect you or keep his promises because he told you what to do. I don't have power in my life. I'm just not as spiritual as other people. No, no, no. God has this for everybody for their private use. So Troy came today because we are going to pray over people like they did in the New Testament. If you want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, we are going to pray for you. You might have it, you know, all these different ways. Like I told you, one of my girlfriends, we were driving back from Manhattan one time. And again, I was telling her, different girlfriend, I'm telling her. She's like, Steph, this sounds crazy. This sounds crazy. This sounds crazy. I'm like, no, it's not. It's real. And the more I talked to her, and I understand, because if you haven't heard of it before, or, you, or you've been like I did, I had that terrible experience. So I, to I told her about it, and she said, let's pull over at a rest stop. We pulled over at a rest stop. I prayed for her. She's like, I feel, I'm scared. I feel like there's people going to break into our car. You know, it was nighttime, late at night, driving home. She's like, I, so she's felt fear. I said, just get on the car, just get on the road. We don't have to be pulled over. As soon as we pull off the rest stop, she starts speaking in tongues. What I'm saying is sometimes our own emotional things can, so don't stress, okay? Just ask. If you don't get it right in that moment, ask and keep on asking. That's what I did. You just keep on asking. 
But Troy and I are going to pray over every single person who wants it. And let me tell you, Kat sent me the names. She had to leave. She's taking my daughter to a doctor's appointment so she, since I couldn't be there. Um, she sent me the names, and I've been praying over every single one of you over and over and over and over and over again that you would receive the baptism. Because for most of you, I know your story. I know how desperately you need it. And I know it will change the course of your life just like it did mine because God is not a respecter of persons and he doesn't love one daughter more than the other or one son more than the other, but he, there are things he tells us to do and when we do them, he does what he says he'll do. He says, you do this. It's like the game of chess. You do this, then I'll do this. Then you do this, then I'll do this. This is how God works. So if you want to, I'm going to say a prayer and then if you want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, come forward Troy, my brother, I'm so grateful to have him here. Uh, my brother and I in Christ are going to pray over you that you will receive it and then receive it by faith. And if you don't get your tongue right that, that minute, then just do what I did. You keep asking. It'll come. He's promised. So Spirit of God, Jesus, Jesus, thank you for dying so we could receive this gift. Without your sacrifice, we could never receive the advocate, the spirit of truth, the spirit of power, the spirit of prophecy and healing and deliverance. So Jesus, thank you. And Holy Spirit, we honor you and we honor the desires of the Father because it says in Luke, if you ask the Father, he will give it. The desire of the Son who said repeatedly, Receive the Holy Spirit and the desire of the Holy Spirit. It amazes me that you would want to indwell us, but you do. And Father, I pray over every person listening to this podcast. Maybe they're on the gym running on the treadmill. Maybe they're driving down the road. Maybe they're in a terrible fight with their husband. Maybe they have just lost a loved one like Sherry did. Maybe they... Maybe they have a wayward child, God. I don't know where their circumstances, but what I do know is that the Spirit of God will give them the power to take this mess and turn it into a miracle because you are a miracle-working God today as you've always been. And it is through the Spirit of God that your miracles are worked and our minds are renewed and our lives are changed. You set us free from sins. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus, every person who's baptized in the Holy Spirit, they get, received from, uh, they get set free from every addiction. I pray freedom from alcohol addiction, porn addiction, drug addiction, addiction to man's approval. I pray freedom from eating disorders. He, bodies be healed in Jesus' name. Dead marriages be raised to life. Dead relationships be raised to life in the name of Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. And every other good gift that Jesus died to give us and the Holy Spirit came to give us, may it be done as your children are baptized in the Holy Spirit and receive the power you desire for them. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are here and your word says whatever we ask for in your name, Jesus, according to the will of God, it will be done. And we've established that this is your will. It will be done for all who desire it. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Go ahead and start with some announcements. Never mind, Josh is doing your doing. I wanted you to hang out, hand out the, um, you could, Josh is doing it now.
Right here. There's a table right here. All you kids can be in front. <laughs> All right, we've got people still. We're trying to. Gingy, can you push, get people in? Thank you. All right, we're going to um, kind of start with some announcements. So these are the dates for the fall Bible study, and they're being passed out. So you guys should all have sheets. If you didn't get a sheet, yep. I did. I did mean November 17th. Oh, thank God. Oh, shoot. Okay, so the handout says November 7th, and it's supposed to be November 17th. I was doing this under much lack of sleep. So anyway, so yeah, you guys know it's two weeks later. So there's only one in October, and in October, we are doing furniture market, and our house is rented, and we are basically wiped out that month, so it was all I could do to get that one in. So we're just doing one in October. Um, and you guys are going to see this house is going to get emptier and emptier as you come because a lot of this is going to furniture market. So anyway, um, so October is just the one. Um, this will, what we're starting today is going to be a series of three that's going to take us through uh, October 6th. So, okay, we are in a new Bible study season. And on the, on the, the table, even if you're on last year's Bible study season, would you please put your name and phone number? We, the way we communicate, uh, let's see, there are some seats over here. Um, and we're setting up some more seats in the back. So um, the way we communicate through the Bible study season is text. And if you are not, Apple is, ugh. If you're not on Apple, it won't let us name the text thread and it won't let us set out, uh, send out like images. So we have to have the non-Apple people on one text thread and the Apple people on the other text thread because Apple is bullies, and so this is their way of bullying. So if you could, if you're not, if your phone is not Apple, please put on the, the sheet that you are a non-Apple phone, okay? Because it is a disaster every time we try to, we've been through it. It's taken hours to get it all figured out in the past. So just, if you're not Apple, say not Apple. Even if you're on the text thread, just put it on there again. Because we're starting, the, the text thread from last year, we're deleting and we're starting a brand new one, okay? So we got to know who wants to be on this year's. Um, okay, DeShare, our precious DeShare, there she is. She, this is her last time catering for us. We're so sad. And she flew in, because she's in Tennessee, she flew in just to cater for us today. So is she not amazing? So, Desher, we love you so much, and thank you for the way you have served us. Her, she has served us. I mean, how beautiful is her? But I want to tell you guys, Hannah's Haven is our new caterer. So, it's amazing because um, I, was saying, so I was saying to Kat, I said, I don't want to give up breakfast. There's something about breaking bread together and just having that time together. And so God bless the, the board, the women on the board. They're like, well, we'll just try to do it. I mean, but they have careers and families and blah, blah. I said, no, there's got to be a caterer, got to be a caterer. And then we found out Hannah's Haven wants to start a catering business, and they haven't been able to start it. We're their first client. Woo! So Whitney, 
God bless her. You know, she is a leader. That's Whitney. She is a leader at Hannah's Haven. She's come here for years. And so thank you, Whitney, for helping us. Thank you, Kat. There's Kat for helping us get this all coordinated. And we're so grateful. I'm so excited. They Now, they start in November. So a couple of the other ladies are going to handle the next two. But we're really excited to be working with them. I want to tell you guys about that. Um, okay. We have a board in this Bible study. And I just want to tell you, um, so this Bible study has grown and, and um, you know, you may not know kind of some of the story, but there, there, this, uh, I, so there are two ministries. Uh, I have one ministry that is 10 years old, and the Lord started that 10 years ago. And the purpose of that ministry is to set the captives free. Um, there are Christians walking around in bondage. Um, there are Christians that need deep inner healing. Um, they need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They need deliverance. They need that ministry. The purpose of that ministry is to operate in all the signs and wonders. And we have people who come in from all over the United States to get free because it's very hard to find freedom these days. It shouldn't be like that, but it is. And so that ministry has been operating for 10 years. And that has a group of 12. And that group of 12, we've been together for, for, like I said, a decade. And they pray and fast. And we are up Tuesday mornings at 6 a.m., sometimes other mornings. And we pray for four hours. I mean, this is serious. We're serious. And you guys are so prayed over by this group of people. And, I mean, they mean it. And it's power. And so that most of them are across the United States. Um, so I thank them, um, and I thank them. This is the body of Christ. I'm the one standing here, but this is the body of Christ, and the body is operation here. And so first of all, I just thank um, those members for these 10 years and all the souls we have seen set free. And then about four years ago, a woman who I just went to lunch with, didn't know her, and at the end of the lunch, she said, you are so different from most Christians I know. Will you teach me? I said, sure. So we sat in that front room. Precious Sarah was there and Fanny and Sherry. And we sat in that front room. And it was just, I never foresaw all this happening. And, but guess what? The word gets out when the truth of the gospel, people are hungry. We're hungry. I'm hungry. You're hungry. You're here because you're hungry. And so God had this in plan, and we have just watched it grow. We kept going through COVID. We, nobody, no COVID ever broke out, but, you know, I, now I had it three times. You guys, a lot of you walked through it. A lot of you were praying in our front yard. My husband and I almost died, but we didn't. Back better than ever, you know, the weapons form, it doesn't prosper. But anyway, so that's that ministry. And then, so now this has grown to such a place that I have uh, prayed and asked the Lord for a board of women because I need the support. There's a lot to do all this. And we want, and you guys have things you need. You have ministry needs, things happen, um, it, and the breakfast gets put on, and Cindy shows up and does technology, and Cat uh, takes the RSVPs, um, and everybody, you know, Ginger, everybody has a job that they do. And I'm so thankful um, these precious women set up all this is done. I come down and all this, our furniture is moved, 
All this is set up. I mean, this is what the board does. They serve. So I just want to thank them. So if you're on the board, will you please stand up? Please stand up. And we have, you can't, come on out. You can't see them. We, and, and poor Jen, uh, Kat, come up here so people know who they're, okay. That's the RSVP lady, Kat. So anyway, that. Oh, I forgot my honey. Oh, no, never mind. I have it my watch. Okay, so anyway, just before we start the year, I just wanted to thank all of these wonderful board members. Um, okay, then we have people. So this ministry is very much about changing the world and putting it in action. And our political system is so demonized and if God-fearing, God-loving people do not step up, evil is taking over. And it is from the grassroots that that changes. Jesus had a grassroots movement. And we have some amazing people who in this ministry have decided to put their neck out and sacrifice and do this. And I, you guys know we throw fundraisers for them. We support them any way we can. We show up for whatever we can. And so I want to ask um, Kenny and Stephanie and Shannon, each of them are just, Rayla, for you guys stand up. Each of them are just regular folks. And Shannon came here. I'm going to start with Shannon. Shannon came here. She had an encounter with Christ. She's baptized in that pool. And literally, right after that happened, God spoke to her. He, he's like, you do something about the political system. And she started the, what is the exact title? It's packed out, you guys. It is packed out, and it is so powerful. And you know what? It is like revival when you go. They're praying. They're, they're knowing that this is a spiritual battle. People are doing this because of the calling. So we bless. If Christians do not rise up in righteousness against this evil, we will be held accountable. So, so Shannon did that. as exploded. Kenny, you guys all know he's running for county commissioner. His family's taking a licking. Lisa, you need to stand with him because this is a, and Kimber, I won't embarrass a teenager, but here we go. I mean, listen, this is a family thing, and, and this has been tough, tough, uh, and also because he's not a rhino, so they're, you know, he just has to stand alone on the righteousness of God. No, well, we like you, Kenny. We love you because you're in it for all the right. There's no reason other than to fight the good fight. And then Stephanie, this is Stephanie's first time at the Bible study, but I've seen her at a bunch of fundraisers. You guys, this is one of the fiercest ladies you're ever going to meet. And she has been on the front lines. She got in the schools and saw the evil that was trying to encompass her children. And she started a battle to fight for our kids. And I mean, this woman, what she has done. And, and she, she started out completely alone. She just did it, one lady, and strong and fierce. But she has been beat up. And it's amazing because I've seen her at fundraisers, not really met her, but knew who she was. And I started praying for her because I'm like, this lady is fierce. And I really was like, I love this woman. She is strong and fierce. And she's here today. And I'm like, I'm so glad you're here because I, I want to support you. I want to pray for you. We want to fight next to you. I mean, when you put your neck out like this, a lot of people back away. And I know that. I mean, and so we got to support our, so I just want to say a quick prayer over them, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to beat this dead horse over and over and over again. Rise up, church. 
rise up. So anyway, okay, Jesus, we thank you for this, these precious men and women who look at the evil that is growing and they say, not on my watch. We know that the word of God says that he searched a, a nation and he said, will anybody stand in the gap? And no one would. We thank for those, thank you God for those who stand in the gap. Spirit of God, bless them, fill them, strengthen them, protect them. We know you will. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. And I hope more of y'all are going to do that. I've asked the Lord over and over again, do you want me to do it? But he's like, stay in your lane. So I'm going to support their lane. Um, all right. So we start the new Bible study season. I have missed you guys. Missed you guys. I love you guys so much. Thank you for being here. I mean, every year when we start this Bible study season, those of you who are new, we run the, the school year. We take the breaks that school takes. We thank you for doing this again. I am in awe every year of what God does. I am in awe. And I cannot wait to see what he's going to do this year. It is a surprise a minute. We never know what he's going to do. And this is a new start. It's a new beginning. And you guys... You guys are blowing up my phone. When are you starting? I got so many texts. Like, you guys started in August saying, when are we starting? I can't wait to start. You guys are hungry. Um, and I love that. I love that you guys are eager for the kingdom of God and for the truth of the gospel and the power of Jesus Christ. So we're going to start this year or start this new season. And I'm going to do something I normally don't do, but I, I just feel led to do it this morning. As we start this season, I feel, I mean, every year is so powerful. I feel a power over this year unlike any other year. I really do. I don't know if you guys can feel it. I mean, I can feel it. And so as we start this season, I just want to kneel before my God. And I just want to get in prayer before him and commit this year to him. So I'm going to kneel before him. You guys just stay in your seats. That's fine. Or you can do whatever you want. But I just want to kneel before him. Father God. Thank you for the honor and privilege of teaching the Word of God. There's no greater honor. There's no greater honor. There's no greater power. There is no other truth, God. It's a privilege to serve you. Lord, I thank you for every soul here, God. I know the importance of this, God. I know the responsibility. Spirit of God, I just pray over this year, God. I know you're going to do above and beyond all we ask, think, or imagine. I know you will. You're going to do above and beyond all we ask, think, or imagine. Lord, I pray now, consume this talk. I just pray, Jesus. Jesus, come into this room. Lord God, we know the angels of God are here. Lord God, we know the power of the Spirit of God is here. 
And Lord, it's here for your people. We are your sheep and you are our shepherd and you are here today among us, God. And we're not going to leave the way we came in. We're going to leave better, stronger, more joyful, more peaceful, more filled with you, God. Thank you. Thank you for what you're going to do. I pray now for the privilege of being the conduit from heaven's throne to your people on earth, Lord Jesus, just passing on the message of the gospel. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. All right. (laughs) Okay. It's old gray Marion, which you used to be, (laughs) trying to get up. (laughs) Okay. Oh, let's see. Kimmy, we need this thing on the, uh, let me see. TV thing. Hold on. Um, okay. Hopefully that's it. Okay. All right. Here we go. Let's see. Where are my notes? All right. So there's lots of stories you're going to hear through the years, through the year, um, and bits and pieces of all the mighty, extraordinary things that God has done. And There's a reason we're here today, and there's a reason I'm standing here today, and that is because I went to church all the time, and I found myself in an extraordinary crisis in my life, and when I was in that crisis, the religion I had, although I was devout, went to church every Sunday, read my Bible, prayed an hour a day, just was very devout, but let me tell you something, it lacked power. And when the rubber hit the road, I did not have the power. And I literally at one point said, God, this is fairy tales. Because in today's world, where's the power? You know, show me the money. And there wasn't there. And so through an extraordinary journey, the Lord revealed the power of the gospel to me in the most incredible way. And I said from that point on, I said, Father, with the rest of my days, I will share the power of the gospel. I do not want anyone to come here for knowledge. The knowledge of the gospel puffs up. It actually is destructive. And we have so much knowledge. Listen, you don't need knowledge. Just just tune into the internet, right? Just tune into. So this is not about gaining knowledge. This is about gaining the power of the gospel. And that is what this whole entire study is for. There's a million churches. We don't need more knowledge. But I know that God has called me to teach the power. And, and, and we, we have gotten into Christianity light. And I like to say, you know, the, the skinny, skinny jeans and smoke machines, which it doesn't really matter what you wear or what machine you use. It doesn't matter. I use that as a, like a tongue-in-cheek of Christianity light. And listen, you don't have power. You don't have power in it. There's a, there's a truth to it, but not a power to it. And so the Lord has called me to do this, and it was the thing I said I never want to do. I'd do anything else. And I had an extraordinary encounter, and we'll probably get into that through the year, but here I stand. And as many of you know, this podcast goes out, and way more people even listen to this. And I get messages all the time from people who are being set free. And so I just thank the Lord for this privilege, and I take it so seriously. But I want to start back at the basics. Because it is the basics of the gospel that changed the world. The basics, listen, we didn't need all that stuff to change the world. It was 12 disciples. 
They were primarily, mostly uneducated. They didn't need all of that stuff. They needed the gospel. They needed the power. They needed the basics. And that changed the world. It stood up against great persecution. I mean, immediately they went into persecution. It stood up, and thousands of years later, the gates of hell have not prevailed against it. And here we are, and we're millions of Christians now. And what's happening with the gates of hell? We're supposed to be tearing them down. And so this is why we're here today. This is the point of this, this, is the point of this place. And so I'm starting today with Jesus. Oh, I didn't bring my... I didn't bring my glasses. Ooh, okay, I'm going to read this off the screen. Isaiah 9, 6 through 7. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Listen, are you concerned about the government? Here you go. Wonderful Counselor. Do you need counseling? Do you need to know what to do? Mighty God. Do you need power in your situation? Mighty God, everlasting Father. Do you need a Father to love you and guide you? Prince of Peace, do you need peace? It's all in his name. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. It won't end. His peace and his government has not ended. Don't believe it for a minute. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, established and upheld with justice and righteousness for, for all of time and forever. And I love this part. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Zeal. We need not a little zeal. And it comes from God. Names matter. And these are some of the names of Jesus. Names matter. Was Jesus was born into a culture where names were really important. And, you know, when he met Simon, he changed his name to Peter, which means stone. And although Peter was a little stone when he met him, he knew he was going to turn him into the rock on which the church was built. Uh, you know, when he met the very arrogant Saul of Tarsus, the Pharisee, the hypocritical religious person, he humbled him and named him Paul. And through that humility, the most, see, power comes through humility. So through that humility, he was, became the most powerful apostle. It was in the name. He changed their names. You know, he changed his name to Abraham, Sarah. The power of a name. And that there is no greater name than the name of Jesus. Because at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. At the name of Jesus, every tongue will confess. Every single one. All through the book of John, Jesus says, I am. When he says, I am, what does he mean? He means, I am present right now for you, September 15th, 2022. I am. I am here. I am power. I am present. Jesus is the priest who covers you. Jesus is the lamb who was sacrificed for you. And he reminds us through being the lamb that when we sacrifice for him, eventually he turns us into the lion because Jesus is the lion who's coming back for us. And he comes in with a roar and he wants you to know that you have a lion in your lungs through Jesus. Jesus is the shepherd who guides you. Jesus is Emmanuel. His name is Savior. His name is Redeemer, Jesus. He is our rescuer. 
He is everything we will ever need. He is the greatest name. The greatest name. We will wear his name. We will bear his name. We will share his name. We will proclaim his name, Jesus Christ. And Christ is not a, sla- a last name. I've had people say, is that a last name? No, it's not a last name. But it's part of his name, and it means anointing. He was anointed by God. So the Savior, the Messiah, Emmanuel, which means God with us, which is another one of his name, anointed for you, me, right now. He's anointed by the Lord, and he must be Lord. The power of the gospel goes out when he's not Lord. He is Lord. He is the Alpha and Omega. That means he starts it and he finishes it. In every single life ever, ever born from the beginning of time, if you will welcome him in, whatever he starts, he will finish. He will finish it, and he will bring it to a good conclusion for his glory and for your blessing and your good. He'll finish it, and he'll start it. We all know starters that don't finish, or we know people who will never start at all. He does it all. Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I present the miracle worker Jesus to you today. And I want us to get a fresh, listen, there's a saying, and and it says with familiarity it breeds contempt. We have gotten so familiar. I want to put the power back into this. I want us, this is step one. This is a three-part sermon. Today, I'm putting the power back in the name of Jesus. I'm going to show you the power. You're lacking power. I'm going to show you through the gospel of Christ the power. His name was picked for him by his father. God picked his name. In Matthew 121, it's very clear. His name was picked by his father. His daddy chose his name. His name was important to God. I mean, God's going to name one son, and he picked Jesus. There's importance and power in that name. It was 400 years before the Old Testament ended, and it went silent. How old is America? I'm not good with my 200-something years. 400 years, nothing. And then God sends Jesus with the most important message, the most important message ever to come to humanity after 400 years of silence. Think how long 400 years is. Do you think they felt forgotten, unloved, unknown? He sent Jesus to say, I have a message for you. And I'm sending you the greatest message. You and in his name, I tell you, you are not forgotten In his name, I tell you, you are loved. In his name, I tell you, you will get to know me through him. In his name, I am giving you the greatest gift. And his name is Jesus. We have Romans 10, 13. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I love that word, everyone. 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 It does not matter who you are. Because through the blood of Jesus... As we know from the cross on the thief next to Jesus, one person, you can have just committed murder. You could have just done the most heinous crime in the whole world. And you call on the name of Jesus and you are righteous. Perfectly righteous. So many people say, I'm not good enough. I'm not this enough. I'm I'm like, yeah, none of us are. 
please, who is? That's the whole point of Jesus coming. If it was ever about our goodness, we didn't need him. But if the worst, the most heinous crime, in a second, you devote your life to Christ, in that second, you are perfect. You are righteous. God looks at you, and all he sees is the righteousness of Jesus. Perfect. You don't earn it. You can't. It's the goodness of God. It is the name that opposes every evil thing. It opposes oppression, depression, injustice, evil, death. Jesus, the name of Jesus has victory over everything. Jesus emptied himself so completely of, and put himself into a body contaminated and corrupted, awful, he was perfection in heaven and moves into this contaminated body that was rejected. I mean, he had a death sentence on his head the minute he came into the world. He's born in a manger among, you know, cow dung. He, he, he took himself and put himself in contamination and filth for us so that we would live in power. He did that because God loves us. See, God does not love us because Jesus died. Jesus died because God loves us. God loves us. God loves us. The message of this is power and love. God loves us. And so Jesus did this. The, Jesus offered himself the most heinous death, and we all know the death. And, you know, every year when they talk about the details of the death or I listen to a sermon of the details of Jesus' death, I literally have to fast forward it. I cannot take what he went through. I cannot take it. I cannot take what he did for us. So when we have the privilege and honor to call on the name of Jesus, we need to understand this is a privilege. This is a power. This is an honor. And we need to call on it and understand what it was. When we call the name of Jesus, God from heaven sends the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit to our aid. We know the power of the name. We know in Philippians 2, 9 through 11, it says, For this reason, God has highly exalted him, being Jesus, and bestowed on Jesus the name which is above every name. So that the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess and acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. Every knee. Every knee. Every single knee. Our knees are going to bow. If you're here, you want to know Jesus. But if you're not, if you, there's plenty of people who don't love Jesus. Their knees are going to bow. On earth, every single thing that has ever had breath will bow to their knee to Jesus and acknowledge that there, there is only one God. And there is only one Savior. And the only way to the Father is through Jesus Christ. Only one. Every knee. That's a big thing. Every angel will bow. Every demon will bow. It says things on earth, in heaven, and under the earth, meaning the demonic realm. There is everything ever created will bow before him at some point or the other. He is highly exalted. Every president, you're upset about the president? He's going to bow his knee. 
He's going to bow his knee and say, Jesus, you're Lord. Every monarch, every czar, every prideful soul that opposes the word of the gospel will bow their knee. And if you see him and you're upset about him, pray Jesus over him. Pray Jesus over him. Because they're going to have to bow before him and, and, and acknowledge that he is Lord. The most powerful place on earth, and this is true. Where is the most powerful place on earth? The most powerful place on earth are people who understand the name of Jesus, the power of Jesus, and bow in prayer to him. We like to think the most powerful place is, is you know, the Kremlin, the, the, the Pentagon, the Capitol. The, no. No. They, see, and when we think that, then we feel victim. No. Those who call on the name of Jesus Christ are so much more powerful. As I've said through all the years, things happen in the spirit realm long before they happen here. You call on the name of Jesus, there is far greater power. The most powerful place on earth is the body of Christ praying in faith in the name of Jesus. Jesus. I'm telling you, there is no greater power. The church is far more powerful. Far, true believers, devoted believers, far more powerful. The most powerful place on earth. We just read that the government will be on his shoulders. There will be no end. We also know that scorpions and snakes, the Bible says that they will be, uh, the, all works of evil will be under our feet because of the name of Jesus. Do you believe it? Do you believe good? There are some wicked people. There are some wicked people running situations right now. And you know what? You have authority. You have power in the name of Jesus. I love this scripture, Matthew 28, 18. Jesus said, all authority, all power, absolute rule in heaven and on earth has been given to me, Jesus said. All authority, all power, heaven and earth is given to Jesus. Why? Why was all that given to Jesus? Why? What's the reason behind the why? Because of the precious blood of of Jesus. When we do a paternity test, they didn't have this technology back then, but we know. When you're trying to figure out if you're not sure who the baby belongs to, what do we do? We check the blood of the father. See if it matches the child. That blood was the father's blood. The blood of Jesus is, it came from the father. It is the most rare blood type. <laughs> There's no other blood type. The most rare blood type. There will never be another. It is the most precious blood. It is costly. The blood of Jesus cost heaven everything. Cost heaven everything. There was no greater price no greater price than the blood of Jesus. And when that first drop of blood hit the earth, you know how powerful it was? You know the stories in the gospel. You know how powerful it was? Earthquake. Then what happened? The, 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 the veil that was between man and God tore from the top down. God says there's nothing between us anymore. 
nothing between you and me and, and any more because of that blood. Dead people rose from the grave, and it was documented in history. They walked among people who had been dead and buried. Righteous people rose from the grave. If you are righteous and you feel dead, a drop of blood of Jesus. You might have forgotten the power that is available to you. It restores life. And that is why the preciousness of this blood, God will honor the blood of Jesus every single time. God will never not honor the blood of Jesus. Never. You say, Father, I come in the name of Jesus. And we know that Father God is on the heavenly thrones up there. And we know that there are angels surrounding him night and day saying, holy, holy, holy. We know this throne is so magnificent, we can't, they can't even put it into words. They don't know how to describe it. And there is a throne room. And here are little old us with all of our sins and problems. And listen, we're not entered in because we're perfect. As a matter of fact, our perfect deeds are like filthy rags. That disgusts him. How could our perfection, no, it's not our perfection, it's the blood of Jesus. And so when we say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I come to you. I just said it right now, I'm in the throne room. You're in the throne room. In an instant, in an instant, in Jesus' name, I come. We're not, we're not entered into the throne room, you know, because we sing a hundred songs we're not entered into the throne room because we, you know, feel goosebumps. You might feel nothing. Our feelings don't trump the blood of Jesus. God honors the name and blood of Jesus. And that's it. So all you say is, Father, I come in Jesus' name. You're there. You're there, and the power is there. We know that the blood of Jesus makes us overcomers. Through history, and my goodness, there were so many things I wanted to talk about, but I knew I didn't have time, but through history, so many Christians have overcome the most extraordinary odds. I mean, just impossible. Because of the power of Jesus, because he makes us an overcomer. The name of Jesus. We know Revelations. Whoop. Okay, well, that was supposed to be. I missed that one. I just skipped my notes. It says, let, Hebrews 4.16, let us approach God's throne of grace with boldness and confidence. And that's because of the blood of Jesus. Bold and confident. Not of your own works, but because of his name, because of his blood. So Revelations 12.11 says, and they overcame and conquered him, meaning Satan, because of the blood of the lamb. You can't, there's more to that verse, and we're going to talk about the rest of that verse as we move into the other stuff. But you overcome him because of the blood of the lamb. That's how you beat Satan. Listen, if you, if you believe in Satan or not, you're fighting him. Doesn't matter. He's opposing you. You don't have to believe in him. Your belief in him doesn't make him any more real or less real. But let me tell you, he's coming against you no matter what because he comes to kill, steal, destroy. And it is the blood of the lamb that defeats him in your life and my life. The blood of the lamb. He makes us overcomers. It is our blood covenant right with God that we overcome the situations of life. That we overcome the evil coming against us. It's our blood right. 
What does overcomer mean? Uh, here's a dictionary. Uh, surmount, to get the better of. Uh, we overcome, uh, overwhelm, to gain the superiority to win. You win. I win. We win because of the blood of the Lamb. His resurrection means we rise out of everything. We rise out of everything because of the blood of the Lamb. A really cool story, um, Louis Pasteur, in the 1800s, there was diphtheria, and it was killing hundreds of thousands of people in France. And a very wealthy man, his son, was killed by the disease, and so he went to Louis Pasteur, which was a, already a, a very famous scientist, and he said, I'll give you any money you want, cure this disease. So he gave him a bunch of money, and he went and bought 20 stallions. And he took the disease, and he rubbed it in their noses, and their mouths, and came back and checked on them the next day. First day, 19 were dead. Only one was alive. Second day, he came back, and that one was very sick, but it was still alive. So he said to his, his assistant, he said, this is our only hope. He said, keep that horse alive. He said, I'm going to name it the overcomer. Third day, now listen, if God's not in all the details of the life, Third day, we know a story about third day and death and all that stuff. Third day, he came back. That horse was back up on his feet, healthy and strong, three days. He immediately went, took the blood out of that horse, made a serum out of that, and ran to the hospital and injected that serum from the horse's blood into 300 kids. And within hours, they were up walking around the hospital. The disease that was ravishing the nation had been cured, and the scientists flocked to him everywhere. And they said, how did you defeat this disease? How did you, you know, do this? He said, it's easy. He said, just a little blood from the overcomer. Just a little blood from the overcomer. If horse's blood does that, if horse's blood does that, we got the blood of Jesus. On our side, the blood of Jesus. And let me tell you something. It doesn't just mean everything to us. And it doesn't just mean everything to God. It means everything to hell. Every demon in hell knows what the blood of Jesus means to them. We know in James 2.19, you believe there's one God? James says, good. He means good for you. Basically means, so what? Even the demons believe that and shudder and tremble. See, I talk to people all the time, and they're like, no, I'm good. I'm a Christian. I believe in God. I'm like, whoa, 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 wait. What does that mean? Believing in God. Even the demons believe in God. Believing in his existence is not salvation. Believing in the blood of Jesus to save you from your sins and, and surrendering your life completely and totally to him and he now is the one who, who shows you the path of life. Jesus, take the wheel. Thank you, Carrie Underwood. That's what it means. Jesus, take over. You know? So that, and so the demons in hell know the blood, the power of the blood of Jesus. There is nothing they can do to reverse it. There is nothing they can do to stop the blood of Jesus. The only thing that they, their only shot is to get us not to understand the power of it. 
The only thing that the demons in hell, Satan can do to defeat us is for us to not understand the power in which we stand because of the blood of Jesus. That's their only, that's all they got. That's all they got. There is nothing, and I can tell you because you guys know I do this work, nothing makes a demon more afraid than a Christian who knows their authority because of Jesus and walks in it and does not fear them but knows that they will fear you because of Jesus in you, the name of Jesus that's in you. Let me tell you something. That's all you need. That's all you need. And sometimes I wonder if those who oppose the name of Jesus revere and understand the power of the name of Jesus more than we do. Because they know it. They know what the name of Jesus means. They know the power of it. So this is crazy. In, in research, I did a little research. And I'm going to tell you, this took my breath away. I'm going to show you. I thought, I wonder what... I'm going to Google the definition online, pull up a definition. What does Christ mean? The title also treated as a name given to Jesus, an oath used to express irritation, dismay, or surprise. Christ. Jesus, an oath used to express irritation, dismay, or surprise. Not God. This is Oxford Dictionaries. You can see Oxford Dictionaries. An oath. Do you know what? They know what they're talking about. When you use Jesus as a curse word, GD is a curse word, you are making an oath with the devil. You are allowing him to use your mouth to curse the Son of God. They know it's actually an oath. They've got that part right. If that's what you do with your mouth. I thought to myself, I wonder what they have for Allah. Let's see what they have for Allah. The name of God among Muslims and Arab Christians. Why, why is that in the dictionary? Because they understand the power of the name. They do. The enemy knows. The enemy knows. Where are we getting our definition? Let me tell you, God knows the, the power and the reverence that we are to have of his name. There was ten commandments. And, you know, we've got murder and stealing and cheating and lying and da-da-da, all the bad things, right? But amongst them, this. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, this is Exodus 27, that is irreverently in false affirmation or in ways that invalidate the character character of God, for the Lord will not hold guiltless nor leave unpunished the one who takes his name in vain, disregarding its reverence and its power. God takes it seriously. God takes names seriously. God takes how we use his name seriously. And you know what else? God takes the, our name seriously. He would, he would never take your name in vain, my name in vain. Do you know how tenderly he is with our name? I love this. Isaiah 49, 16. See, I've engraved you on the palms of my hands. Your names are tattooed on the palms of his hands. He loves your name. You know what he calls you? 1 John 3, 2. Beloved, we are now called the children of God. You are a beloved child. I spend a lot of time in my ministry help people heal because they were not a beloved child. But God calls you a beloved child. The way he speaks of you is kind and tender. He takes it seriously. 
But let me tell you something else. The enemy takes seriously the name of Jesus. And I fear, like I said before, that he might take it more seriously than we do. And I'm going to read. Uh, so my, my husband does my PowerPoints, and he's like, Stephanie, you're really going to put this whole chapter in? Yes, I am. <laughs> you guys know I use tons of scripture. It's funny. Somewhere along the line, in some seminaries somewhere, it became famous that you can only use two or three verses at a time because people can't absorb more. And I'm like, are we the stupidest people on the planet? The Holy Spirit attaches himself to the word. The word is the sword. That was a, listen, there are demons in seminaries. There are demons in churches. Listen, you got you to gotta know the word. So I'm like, uh, when, when the Lord asked me to start teaching, I'm like, only if I use tons of scripture. Because my opinion is nothing. Nobody, you, we don't, I don't care about my own opinion. I mean, we, this is the gospel. And so we read a lot of the gospel because that's the only truth there is. That's the only truth there is. And anything that contradicts it gets thrown out. And I know you people are smart enough than, than to have one or two verses, you know. Okay, so here we go. We're doing a whole chapter, and it's Acts 4. Okay, so Paul and, Paul and Peter, I think, uh, were just, yeah, were, no, Peter and John, were ju- they just healed somebody. We're going to get into that. They just healed somebody. Big healing. And the priests and the captains of the temple guard and the Sadducees came to Peter and John while they're speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed. Wait, who's greatly disturbed? The religious people. Okay, wait. Somebody was just healed. This happened to me. People asked me to come speak. We had hundreds of people there. Someone got healed. They were very upset. The woman, had been, her body had been broken for a long time, and her spirit and soul. And, but this is the religious spirit. The spirit of religion will always come against the power of God. The religious people, this is why Jesus had nothing to do with the religious people. He wanted people who were real. So the religious people are upset because some man who's been, had his body broken for 40 years just got healed, and they don't know what to do. They're saying they're greatly disturbed. Isn't that a normal reaction to somebody being healed? They're disturbed. Okay. Uh, the, the, by the way, the spirit of religion is a demonic spirit when I refer to that. Uh, the demonic spirit of religion. Uh, and it is not from God. It is not from the throne room of God. And it try, does everything it can to quench the power of God. So they're disturbed and they seize Peter and John and they put him in jail until the next day. Because that's what you do when someone heals somebody. You put them in jail. But many who heard the message believed. You know what? Even if they try to put you in jail, even if they try to knock you down, even if they try to silence you, Stephanie, God bless her, even if they try to silence you, guess what? People believe. Because in your heart and in my heart, the truth of the gospel hits us. We know we're hearing truth. We know the difference. So even though they tried to shut it down by putting them in jail, the message was heard. So the number of men who believed grew to 5,000. That's just men. Because we didn't count back then. (laughs) We count now, though. Thank you, Jesus. 5,000 men. (laughs) And I guarantee you, for every man, there are probably about three or four women who believe because the women come in fast and furious. So we probably had 20,000 people who believed. The next day, the rulers, the elders, the teachers of the law. What teachers of the law? What is that? Religious people. The law meaning the book of the law. Heavy-handed religious, you know. That's not God. That's not God's heart. We have to recognize that, that the law quenches the spirit. So these, all these law, all the people, all heavy on the rules, they come in the next day. They had Peter drop before them, and they began questioning them. By what power or what name 
did you heal him? They're worried about the name. They're worried about the name. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness, show to a man who is lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. <laughs> He's like, oh, you're calling me in for an act of kindness. So first of all, stick in your eye. Like, are you kidding me? Okay. It's in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified. He, listen, Christians are bold. We've lost our boldness. We have become so limp-wristed. They're bold. They tell the truth, and they don't care what you think, and they don't care what you're going to try to do. They tell the truth, and they're bold. Whom you crucified. I'm like, they're in prison. You would think that they'd be a little afraid, like, oh, I don't want you to keep me in prison. No, they're not. Whom God raised from the dead, that is the man who stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected. <laughs> left, right, left, right. I <laughs> love it. He's the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. You rejected him. Now he's the stone on which the whole entire church is built. Salvation is found in no one else. Not Buddha, not Allah. Not your husband, your wife, your best friend, no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. No other name. It's about the name. When they saw the courage and boldness, because what did I say? Jesus gives us courage and boldness to come before the Father. And when you're courageous and bold to come before him, you don't care about a person. He gives you this courage and boldness because of Jesus. They realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men. Can that just be us, moms, children, wives, husbands? It doesn't matter. They were astonished. They took note of the men with Jesus. But since they could see the men, the man who had been healed standing there with them, <laughs> there he stands, there was nothing they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw, and they, you know, have a little powwow. What are we going to do with these men? Everyone living in Jerusalem knows they have performed a miracle, and we can't deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone what? Just read it out loud. In this name. So these evil religious people who are trying to quench the power of the gospel, they know the power of the name. They know the power of the name. But so did Peter and John, and they were no match. But, whoop, did I, okay, wait, let me see. I'm not sure what I did with this thing. Uh, okay, then they called them again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. It's, I mean, they're just, they're so hung up on the name of Jesus. They can't, they can't, they're just pounding on this because they understand that without the name of Jesus, these men had no power. It was the name of Jesus that made them power. It wasn't their education. It wasn't their standing in society. It was only the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we can't help speaking about what we have seen and heard. Any, after further threats, they just try to put him in fear, right? They try to put him in, in bondage of fear. They let them go. Uh, let me tell you, the spirit of religion will always threaten, 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 threaten. Try to put you in fear. Get on top of that. Take authority over that. I can't tell you how many times that's come against me. And now I see it coming, and I'm like, all right, bring it. Let's do this, because I know the spirit, and you will be defeated. 
Any further threats, they let them go. After they could not decide how to punish them, because all the people were praising God for what happened, for the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all the chief priests and elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the people plot in vain? Okay, that's thousands of years ago. Are the nations still raging and the people still plotting in vain against the purposes of God? The kings of the earth. Are the kings of the earth rising up? And the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Listen, this filthy stuff that they're doing in our politics, gender mutilation, you know, transgender everything, all, this is demonic. They're not rising. They're rising up against God. They're rising up against everything holy and right. This is an affront against God, and we are sent here to make a stand. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and people of Israel to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, against Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand would happen. Now, Lord, consider the threats and enable your spirit, your servants, to speak your word with great boldness. Their prayer was that they would be bold enough. That was their number one concern. Is it our number one concern? Because I see a lot of Christians not wanting to stick their neck out. They said, help us be bold enough. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs of wonder. How? Through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And I love this. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. So the whole house shook, which happened also at Pentecost. The whole house shook under the power of the Holy Spirit, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. He answered their prayer. Why? Because they came in the name of Jesus. You come in the name of Jesus. They asked for boldness. He gave it. All right, I want to show you guys this video. I hope the sound is up loud enough. That's the actual security footage when you watch this.
<laughs> Love it. I'm really good at 